Hey, everybody, and welcome to another exciting, and you guessed it, it's a jam-packed episode of Modern Day Philosophers. Forgive me for, if you can hear it in my voice, I have a little bit of a cold. Just came back from Las Vegas with my wife and Sophie, our very first trip as a family. I like going out to Vegas and doing pretty much nothing that you would do in Vegas. Just hanging out at the hotel, going to the jacuzzi in the hotel, going out to the movies, which are way cheaper than they are here in L.A., going to like local eateries off the strip. I like doing the off-the-strip Vegas, but staying in a nice hotel, which you can do in Vegas for relatively cheap, because uh, especially if it's like off-season or in the middle of the week. And we drove there and back in the Jeep. Love being in the Jeep. And uh, just trying to get, get the new year started right now. It's nice being a dad. I think that was definitely an exciting thing from the year, for sure, is becoming a dad. Love being a dad. I never knew I'd love it so much. It's really fun. The baby started smiling recently, which is so cool. Um, It's just the greatest thing ever, making the baby smile. I can't explain it, because uh, I know that when people used to say that kind of thing to me, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But um, I don't know. It's like kind of like when you have two mirrors facing each other. And, the, and, you know, you can just see, like, endless mirrors through them. You know what I'm talking about? The reflection of two mirrors, one in front of the other, and you see, like, a mirror and a mirror and a mirror and a mirror and a mirror. It's kind of like that when you look into your baby's eyes. It's like you can see for eternity. I don't know if that analogy makes sense. But it's as good as any lead-in to my sponsor for today's great episode. Why not kick off 2020 the right way with Skillshare? Skillshare invites you to make 2020 a year where you explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost. Yes, get lost in your creativity. With Skillshare's online classes, what you find might just surprise and inspire you. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions of people come together to take the next step in their creative journey with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and so much more. I personally enjoyed a bunch of their classes on illustration and design, and something I'm passionate about. I like learning new skills. I like that the instructors look right into the camera, and it feels personal. It's an online learning community. I mean, it's a community. You could talk to other people in the community. They offer membership with meaning. It's basically like Netflix for classes. You can sign up and just jump around from class to class and get better at stuff. So much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives. Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Skillshare is offering classes designed for real life so you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. You can learn and grow with short classes that fit your busy routine. Skillshare is also an incredibly affordable platform, especially when you compare it to the pricey in-person classes you would go to in workshops You could spend a fortune on all these classes, but here you could do so much, and an annual subscription is less than $10 a month. That's pretty good. Pretty damn good. You know, being creative really benefits you in almost everything you do in life. It it opens your eyes to new things and inspires you, and and, and it's all, it kind of cross-pollinates. You know, you learn one new skill and it sharpens another. I love Skillshare, as I mentioned The classes are personalized. The instructors look right at you. They are very good. They are very clear and concise. 
on a lot of these topics. They get right to the point, and you learn a lot. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of us here at Modern Day Philosophers, and they're saying to you, listener, explore your creativity by going to Skillshare.com forward slash MDP and get two free months of premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash MDP for two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. That's a premium, premium membership that they're offering to you guys. And 2019, a lot of people learned a lot of great things on Skillshare, some of their top classes from 2019. Let's take a look. Styling your space, bringing creativity to interior design. Instagram-worthy photography. Shoot, edit, and share. And digital poster design, combining images and type for powerful visuals. Go and check it out at Skillshare.com slash MDP and get two months of free classes. You can't go wrong with that. All right. You also can't go wrong with today's episode because it features a wonderful comedian and friend of mine, Skylar Stone. Skylar's had several TV shows. He's been in movies. He's a great stand-up. And it's an extra long special holiday episode for you guys today. So enjoy this really long talk we had uh, where we got into all kinds of things on every topic from addiction to talking about Ralphie Mae to talking about, I don't know, just so much. It's a rich episode. I think you're going to love it. And it's all yours right now without further ado, except, of course, for the intro song. Enjoy my talk with the wonderful... Skylar Stone, my buddy. Enjoy. When Daniel LaBelle was in school, he didn't pay any attention. He's older and wiser, he's learning philosophy with his comedian hench. People, each of whom is a wonderful sage in their own right as well. It's modern day philosophers. And now here's Daniel LaBelle. Like some people start here. And come in from the sides. Uh-huh. Some people come in. You know what I mean? I think, but I feel like you've come in from the sides. If I may say, I don't know if that's accurate or not. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. So yeah, I like. I always think like you first lose weight in your face. I, I well, I think that's what we want. I don't know that. I don't know that that's true or not. You know no. what I mean? <laughs> because I've had some people say, "Hey man, can you yeah, have I lost weight? Dude, check out my face." And I'm like, and like I'm like, "Hey bro, no, not really yet. Sorry, <laughs> don't make me focus on the one area where you haven't lost yet." I think that's true. Sometimes I think um, what people often do to lose weight though is quit drinking and quit eating salt. And I feel like if you do those two things you can uh, fool yourself that you've lost some weight because your face looks better. Yeah. So I, I think there are fast, like, you know, actor, actress ways to like, you know, hey, I'm filming in four days. I need my face to look better. Uh-huh. And so people are like, no soda, no alcohol. And then your face will look a little better, but you really haven't like lost weight weight. You look like you've lost weight from the sides weight. Right. Side weight. That's the real side thing. weight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying your flaps are gone, Danny. Okay. Your flaps are gone. <laughs> All right. You used to have two flank steaks. They just wanted to eat them, and they're gone, dude. So you're you're like, uh, besides being a comic, you're an actor. Like you're legitimately yeah. an actor. Did you study acting? Oh yeah, I still study acting, and 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 by study acting, I mean that in multiple ways, not in any you know hey, esoteric way. But like, I just love acting. I like watching certain actors because I try and get in their head and wonder if they're even thinking. Okay, I really want to branch out because you hear actors say constantly like oh with this project I, just, I wanted to do something I never done before and it's like 
a lot of guys are just kind of themselves in another movie. Like, I hate to say it, Tom Hanks is often just kind of Tom Hanks uh-huh. with an accent. Tom yeah. Hanks skinnier, Tom Hanks fatter. Like, <laughs> some of these guys, they're just, I mean, hate to be cliche and point out the obvious, but like Daniel Day-Lewis, it's like you lose him in his roles. You right. Know? And I like to study guys like that because it's like you get in the head of like, well, how did you even do that? How do you erase who you are? Because actors are so into themselves you would think they'd want to bring so much of themselves to everything like, i'm important what do you mean i play myself i'm harrison ford of course i play myself <laughs> so it's it's worked for billions of dollars a box office so like when, when a guy has the balls to go no i want to eliminate who i am mm-hmm. everybody i've become i want that to be gone and i'm going to be uh who's that guy he played in gangs in new york but something the butcher i don't know so like, i i just like watching guys like that because i just find that fascinating See, like, I can tell when I watch a comic on stage and they have some acting chops. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably can as well, right? Oh, yeah. You, you know, and I see that with your comedy, too. Like, I know when you go into some bit. Like an, like an act out. Yeah, yeah, and you act it out. We as an audience are getting a higher quality product for sure in those act outs, you know? Like, right, I see what you're saying. Like, some, yeah, I, I guess you could early on look at some, like, it's not surprising Eddie Murphy went on to be such a great actor because most of his stand-up was act-outs. Yeah. I think guys that do a lot of act-outs, yeah, I think that makes sense because Seinfeld's not really an act-out guy, and he's also not known. He acts, but he's not known for that, right? Right. He's a comedian first. It's not necessary to be a good actor. Not at all. I I think, but it's nice to, I mean, we really, it resonates with us. Like, we love a good actor who's also a good comic. Yeah, yeah. And And sometimes, you know, I've gotten, you know, I, I don't want to say I've been shit on, but I've got I've definitely gotten like the you. There's some comics that like to say like you know oh but you're like an actor though right like like they try to say it as if I'm that instead of being right. a comic. People yeah. always try to divide, right? Yeah, and it's so stupid. It's like <laughs> come on, dude. Some of our greatest like Steve Martin is a phenomenal actor and mm-hmm. a phenomenal comedian. So yeah. let's like let's not act like you can't do both. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, and that'll happen, uh, especially with store guys. You'll have store guys that are like, you didn't, you weren't a dorm guy. You didn't come up with the development system. It's like, that's okay. I still know how to tell jokes on stage. You know that I mean? always bothered me about comics just for a second to go back to what you said is that there's always like, and I think it's built into the comic mentality where it's like, we are separate from society. There's regular people and then there's comedians. Oh yeah. And yeah. comedians we're just some other creature above <laughs> the regular person. We can't mingle with them. Yeah. They're just too boring for us. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then and then within comedians, there's the same snobbery. Like, we're pure comedians. Yeah. We can't mingle with yeah. these actor comedians. Yeah. yeah. I suffered as a door guy for six years at the <laughs> store. What did you do? Uh, sold a show to Comedy Central when I was 24. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? It's like, all you know. delusions of grandeur. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I get really like, I guess I never really realized how much that bothers me that you just hit it right on the head, I think, because I have heard a lot of people go, you know, um, I was at a club. Uh, I was in Dallas this weekend and um, I was talking, uh, I was at, we were in the green room and, and and there were two comics and like a civilian. I'm like, whoa, did you just... Say civilian? Like I've heard comics call people civilians. Just and they're doing it for so that so for the sake of the story, they could go, yeah. all right, there's two guys that are in the know on how to riff, and then there's one guy that's just not a riffer because uh-huh. he's not one of us. You yeah. Know? It's like And then there's that feeling, you know, when you when you're hanging out with a bunch of comics and they don't know you, right? Yeah. They don't know that you're funny and they don't give you the benefit of the doubt, your jokes are usually not gonna land the same that 
at all the same way they would if, oh, if they knew you. Thousand percent, right? And I've even I've even felt like I've walked up to like a, a like a circle of people that are more famous than me or something, right? And like I've just felt like it's the same thing. Like I'm not landing because I'm like. Oh, I haven't had a sitcom for seven and, and, years. And you know that in their mind, you're still civilian. Yes, yes, and yes. That bothers you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to de- we need to deregulate this whole thing, you know, or, or actually regulate it. Uh, it's it's getting a little nuts. You know what I mean? So, so basically, what they when they give you that that cold shoulder, what they're basically saying is that you're a fraud. Yeah, they're saying, hey, yeah, don't come over here acting like you're a comedian. Yeah, you're a fraud. Yeah. How many homes do you own? One. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Talk to me when you have a, a nice little pad on the strand in Manhattan Beach. And it's on, on all levels. Like, if you go to, like, a cool alt room, you know, and they're like, yeah. look at the fraud walking in here, you know. and it, There is and, that, too. It, I, I've gone in. On, I remember I went on. A, I'm going to leave it nameless, but I went in on an audition, and it was in Silver Lake. So already it's like, okay, uh-huh. I'm a little out of place. I'm not a Silver Lake guy, right? Yeah. I, but I can fit in there. But, like, <laughs> but I also, but you just, like, you know when someone's a Silver Lake person. You can right. smell the hummus they had for breakfast. You know what I mean? You can... <laughs> You can see the, um, you know, you can see suds from last night's IPA on their fucking beard, you know. So, like, I uh, I go in this audition. It was, I will say, I'll at least say this. It was a funnier Die production. Uh, this was when they were making a television show. Uh-huh. And I went in and the entire waiting room was alt guys. Like, when I say alt guys, I mean, dude, if you just tried to do an act out about your, you know, crazy, kooky mother, they would look at you like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Make a joke about fish tacos or leave, you know? So, um, so I literally, um, I bombed it. And I know I bombed it because I felt so uncomfortable and so judged by the alt room. Right. And I've seen it from the other side. I've seen alty guys come in the green room of the store when it's like, you know, surrounded with like all the big name, you know, mainstream Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. I can just it's, tell that they just feel like, oh, what am I doing here? I <laughs> use the alt example because I guess I feel like I'm not part of that world, but it works both ways. I don't feel like I'm part of any world, really. Well. I don't either. I really don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I'm uh, like a... Mainstream guy and alt guy. I don't think that I'm like I. Don't, I, I this, I've never been embraced or accepted. You know. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Is that why we're here today, Danny? Yes. Are we, yeah. No, I don't feel. I feel very. Um, there's a. I. I. I responded to the movie Ferris Bueller for so many reasons when I was a kid. A. It's fucking. Brilliant. That was actually one of my questions for you. I was like, why did you respond so much to the movie <laughs> Ferris Bueller? You're like, you're so Ferris Bueller-y, and it's so obvious. It's, it's funny time someone asked you. You shifted it, but please, I want to hear it now. <laughs> yeah. um, I love that movie so much. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, my first show on TV was uh, the show I mentioned earlier that I sold to Comedy Central. It was called Con. And it was all about conning people. Well, that movie, he, the, he's, he's a, he's a con artist. You know what I mean? Basically, he's conning everybody. Yeah, and, that that was they turned it into a show. You said right? Uh, con? Which, yeah, that was and, my show. Yeah, yeah, on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know you just said it, but you're yeah. also talking to someone with ADD. No, so sometimes it takes me a minute, bro. One thing you never need to apologize is asking me to repeat something. My whole life is asking people one more time. You so what you're saying is. <laughs> Like, dude, it, my wife says she thinks I have some form of autism and she and she doesn't say it jokingly. Like, she's like, I think you're misdiagnosed. I think you because I'll go into a gas station and I'll literally say, hey, real quick, um, out on the pump seven, I'm trying to pay for the gas, but it's not letting me. It's saying card error. And like, oh, you have to press the blue button first and mm-hmm. don't press the green one. And like, I then 
have to, even though that's simple instructions, I should be able to walk away at that point. Uh-huh. Press the blue one, don't press the green one, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'll literally go, okay, so what you're saying is, and I have to repeat <laughs> the whole saying? thing, and I have to say it in order. So I have to go, so when I walk up, don't put the card in, press the blue, don't press the green, and put the card in, and then I won't get the error. And by that time, the guy's look at me like, yeah, dude, that, I just said that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It couldn't He's, be like, any simpler. She's like, you mm-hmm. treat like the gas station pump like you're cutting the blue wire. I still in a relate bomb. to this. I relate to this so much. I Because ha- I have to get it out. I have to say it. I have to see it. I I, I visually see the words kind of type out in a sentence. And uh-huh. then it's, that's how I like, d- dude, when, when people are like, how do you memorize lines so well? I'm really good at memorizing <laughs> lines. I take my script. And I type the whole script out, even though I already have the script, the typing, the action of the typing and me having to look at it and say it in my head makes me memorize the lines. Wow, good. And so I I think I just have an auditory visual thing. So when I say it back, I can see the words Mm -hmm. and then I don't make a mistake, you know? Although when my wife has told me, you know, how to please her, I've said that out loud and I haven't been able to master that either. (laughs) So, you know, we'll see. So back to Ferris Bueller. So you said... Ferris Bueller inspired the show Khan. Mm-hmm. But that movie in general, uh, I love that movie uh, for so many reasons. Wait, why did I bring that up, though? There was something I was saying. See, now we're ADDing like a motherfucker. Yeah. How the fuck did we bring up Ferris Bueller? What the fuck were we talking about? We were talking about being uh, not accepted by, by yes, anybody. Yes, that's it. And so the thing is, uh, I love that movie because it's funny. I love it because I love a, a good con, and that's why I created con. But the last thing, see, by the way, that's an example. I had to repeat them. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't just jump to where right. we found. I had to go through my list and then get to my final point. I'm, I'm going to make another tangent, but let's try and remember where we were. Yeah. How much do you wish you got that autism diagnosis? Because and, you're, and, you wouldn't be any worse off. You'd actually be better off. You'd have this this great card you can. Oh yeah, oh, you're <laughs> you right. Play at you any play. <laughs> yeah, at any point, whenever somebody's been like, "I'm going to fire you," I'm like, "You sure you want to fire me? I have right. autism. I have autism. I'll do one Facebook post, and uh, you fired the autistic guy. You want to be that guy? <laughs> Maybe you could also belong to some kind of autistic community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Find your place. Seriously, you could be on autism benefits. I could be like the you know, there's like a famous deaf actress like uh-huh. when you think a deaf actress you think marley matlin right uh-huh. that's the one that made it right when you think like you know um like, there's there's someone that like fills every quadrant right mm-hmm. you know what i mean like um uh, i'm trying to think of like a famous handicapped act, or like, it's true though i mean i could to, be to the what famous you're saying i mean society really especially hollywood now really celebrates a disability mm-hmm. like like if you if you've got it all together, they're like, okay, good, go away. Yeah. But if you're like, well, I I have I was born with one small foot and one regular size foot. They're like, that's our guy. <laughs> you know exactly. <laughs> I mean, I could I could have my Forrest Gump role. I could play an autistic guy. <laughs> although, although you'd have half a Hollywood going, is it really acting? He's just autistic. Actually, you'd you know be I mean? milking that autism <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> you have a whole new twenty minutes on being autistic. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I think I would. I think I would absolutely. You know what? I think I should go get a diagnosis. You got to get a find some some doctor. You know the guy who who give you the weed card. Yeah, the, <laughs> yo, can you can you just give me an autism card? Just one autism. Just one autism. Just give me like a batch. Give me one of those. Oh, dude, you know how like uh, some people um, <laughs> that, that when they when they're afraid of certain people that you know that have certain handicaps of getting lost, they give them their wallet like on a necklace. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, so their their ID is visible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just give me one of those wallets around my neck, like a necklace wallet, so people can see my ID and see that I need help and I don't know where to go and I need, you know. Right. It'd be great. <laughs> I bet you I bet you if you could just open up most conversations with I have autism, I bet you they'd be like, you know, hey, 
we usually charge 75 cents for extra avocado for fajitas, but we at Chili's understand your situation. We're not autism, <laughs> autism discount. And by the way, hey, listen, to all the listeners out there, let me and Danny have a riff. Let us have fun. We're not making fun of autism. We're talking about autism. And I actually might have it. So, so I'm allowed to joke about see it. See how you had to do that now? Can you believe that? Because out of context, someone might take a sentence and just take a snippet of this and give it to Huffington Post. I like, kind of wish they would. Right? I kind of wish they would. You know like, what? Fucking snip it. Throw me in the ring of fire. <laughs> we'll take it. We could use the press. I need the attention. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't need the attention, but I would like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I would like it. I'd like there's it just because I a, could call you go, Danny, they fucking did it. You know there, I mean? There's a distinction. Like, I feel like I used to need the attention. Yeah. But no, now, I, now I would like it. I would like it. <laughs> At one time I need it. Now I'm just, you know, I'm kind of into it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like a sexual fetish. Like, you know okay. what I mean? All right, let's go back to Ferris Bueller. Ferris let's Bueller. get to this thought. I really want to hear. All right, about so I'm going to avoid my autistic uh, inclinations to start my list over as to why I like the film, even though okay. I want to. I like the film because it. Uh, okay, I'll do it. It's okay. funny. And uh, it's also, there's a lot of conning in it. But I, what I like about it is I don't feel like he's in a crowd. I feel like he's got his girl and he's got his best friend. Mm -hmm. And most people have at least, you know, I mean, I would hope most people have like a, like a friend. Yeah. And most people have a girl from time to time or a guy, if that's what you're into. Um, and um, I feel like I've always been um, that guy. Like even when I watch a movie like Heather's, like, I feel like I'm like Christian Slater. I'm like, I was the grifter loner. Like not, not a loner. I don't want to say loner because I've always had friends. I just have a lot of friends and a lot of crews. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're my friend. I don't call you every day, but when you and I pick up, it's like we just left off. Yeah. So like, I don't feel like, you know, we're not friends just because we don't talk every day. We're autistic friends. We're, arti <laughs> we're artistic friends who call each other and list off things. <laughs> we don't know how to keep a real friendship going. No, we're not aware of such things. See, if you got your diagnosis, that joke wouldn't be offensive. It would be accurate. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'd have to get one too. What if we both this is went a in for autistic diagnosis? <laughs> yeah. is, this, is this autistic intervention right now? <laughs> oh my God, my wife set this up, didn't she? You know what's great about autism and, and why I feel fine enough joking about it mm -hmm. is the is the spectrum the fact that there's an autistic spectrum so when i make an autistic joke with you i might not be making fun of severe autism i could yeah. make fun of very light autism yeah it's a spectrum so if you if you can't that's kind of why like throw me in the ring of fire i'd love to discuss this and debate it out because i think autism needs to be broken down into like five different diagnoses because it's way too broad well, that's a spectrum applied to anything makes any subject funny. I did a child joke abuse about this. on the spectrum can be funny. Hey, that fucking kid just got smacked with like a right. something funny. Like, you know, uh, uh, that mom was a, so a mad. Rubber she, chicken. Yeah, she picked up a rubber chicken from the lawn, <laughs> smacked that kid in the ass. That's funny. I had now, a kid I, that gets its teeth knocked out. Eh, it's not that funny. I had a spectrum joke. Spectrum makes things funny. And it only worked like once. And but most I tried it a few times and people it's just the the times is that people are too sensitive now. But the joke, it was based on a true story that I brought my little dog. You, you met Bayo. Mm -hmm. I brought brought him into Costco with me. and I was Bayo, who's not named after Scott Bayo, which is yeah. a really disappointing story. Missed opportunity. Yeah. I was carrying him like a little baby on my shoulder, as as dog owners, obsessive dog owners do. And I, I'm going into Costco, and the you know they have door guards in Costco. Mm -hmm. The castle gate, uh, you know, they, 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 you know, show me your Costco membership. Yeah, you're... So they go, I'm sorry, you uh, you can't bring um, 
that dog and only service dogs. I said, this is my son. You know, yeah. just kidding around. Yeah. And, and I said it deadpan. Yeah. And it should have got maybe a laugh. Yeah. But it, this woman who I said it to, she just got a little bit, like, confused. You saw, like, some wires misfiring in her head. Yeah. And she looked at my little dog, and she looked at me, and she goes, no, but it, it's it, it's not because the ears. That's like, what she, she said? She gave me a logical reason why <laughs> that wasn't my son. <laughs> well, you know, so, he's wearing a collar, and he, so, he's a dog wiener. So, so this all happened. So, yeah. I, so I said... He's on the spectrum, you know, and uh, <laughs> you fucking said that I said to her. Oh, my God. That's he's funny. on the spectrum. And and then she in real life, she goes, uh, OK, well, you know, you can't bring him in. And I said, OK. And I I brought him uh, back to the car and I cracked the window. Did she laugh? No, she had no sense of humor. But for my joke. I told the story. Yeah. And everything that actually happened, I said, you know, he's on the spectrum. And then I added. He is on the spectrum. He's on the dog to human spectrum. He leans heavy towards dog, but he's on that spectrum. So, <laughs> and people, you can't say I, that I, joke it, anymore. I, it, it just people just they get tense and they're like, "No, oh, dude, can't, you got to uh, work that one out." There's got to be a way to work it out. I just think people are so sensitive now. I, but I, that one's that, that's too much, dude. You can't be too sensitive yeah. about that. Like I, I even think like you know, like I, I am. Um, very supportive of the gay community, very supportive of the whole LGBTQ community. Like, how uh, do you mean support? You like donate to them? Oh, I absolutely have. I've do done, you really? I've, yeah, I've done um, benefits uh, for the- You've uh, performed. Performed and but also- you write the checks? Have I actually done? Yes, uh, no <laughs> on really? hate. Yeah, no really? on hate. When the no on hate um, was going on in like 2011. Uh, by the way, I'm not, I'm never given a penny. I'm just- uh, oh, I know you don't. You I, hate I, gays. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Like I have uh, have always supported the gay community. I just think it's funny when people just randomly say, "I support this, I support that." But, but yeah, what is support? What, what have you done? Well, but see, you know, I throw a lot of benefits, so you know that like, you are a benefit guy. I'm a benefit guy. So, um, but um, I think it's it's delusional that we're not allowed to make jokes that like like I will absolutely support people that like you know, hey, I identify as I identify, and that's fine. But when you get to seventy two. Um, what what are they called? Uh, so, um, the things that you identify as. Tell me out. I'm missing the word right now. Gen- genders. Yeah, genders. Yeah. The, you expect some jokes. Seventy two. Really? We have seventy two now. You know that, right? I, I think expect some jokes if you have two genders. I don't. I, this I know, is but the it, thing but that I have a problem with. Especially at seventy two, dude. It like, shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. Like you know the co- the comedy world that we come from. Yeah. I mean, the whole point is to offend people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, people caught on to the fact that comedy was offensive. And they said, hey, wait a minute. I'm offended. And we yeah. go, that's what we were trained in. Yeah. We are trained offenders. Yeah. Like, you're asking us to unlearn our whole training to re... Because I talked to a friend, a civilian, Yeah, <laughs> to bring it back. I talked to a civilian friend of mine about this. And she was saying, like, yeah, well, comedy is... The society has evolved. And comedy needs to evolve. And blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. And, uh, yeah. But, th- but that's the perception... And I didn't, you know, this is a very sweet person who's a friend of mine, and I am not going to get into everything about comedy, uh, but with with this person, I understand their perspective, but I think it's wrong. It's I, I think it's it, I think it misunder it, it is the distinction between a comedian and a quote unquote civilian is that um, they think that comedy is supposed to operate like everything else. 
Oh yeah, but in a logical realm. Yeah, it's it's not supposed to operate like everything else. No, not at all. And and also the idea that like, oh, we've evolved, so you guys should too, dude. That's like saying, okay, you know, um, think about first of all, think about how far back humor even dates. Like, there's there's proof of humor in every era. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's been satirists. There's been everything. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, when we when we stopped chopping hands off for for thievery, that's when we, we should have told our jokes. You know, our town jokesters, like you know, jokers, like, oh, you got to stop humor. We're we're growing up. No, right. like like, hey, we stopped hanging black people. We better stop doing jokes. No, like as as time goes on, we get better as humans, and humor has always been there. Isn't that crazy? And <laughs> and, and you know what else? And did you ever think that maybe humor is one of the things that made us fucking get to the next like laughing about everything like holy shit we're really fucked up you know like like it, it just hit me counterculture yeah that's what comedy comedy is counterculture yeah we're not supposed to be moving with the culture yeah. we're supposed to be countering the culture there's always been a yin and a yang it's it's what's pushing things i mean i literally sometimes when i wake up i'll hit i'll look at what's trending on on twitter and it'll be nothing but sadness. This girl kidnapped, this person this, this person that, mm-hmm. you know, and you're so sad, you know, <laughs> it, there'll be all these bad things going on. And like, sometimes I'll literally tell myself, I'll be like, you know what? I need to look up something funny right now. And I'll just look up somebody that makes me laugh no matter what. Rob Delaney on Twitter makes uh-huh. me laugh every time. Yeah. Dalia on Instagram makes me laugh every time. There's certain people that are just go-tos where Annie I Annie Letterman, do you watch Annie Letterman? Annie's hilarious. Instagram, she, she, that's like, that makes me laugh. She's hilarious. Day. There's so many people that the second I check them out, I'm like, okay, I needed that. And guess what? Sometimes, not all times, they're making fun of one of the seven terrible things I just saw. You know, like yeah. there might be a, a girl that was just kidnapped in like, you know, whatever, West Hollywood. And it's mm-hmm. unheard of. Girls aren't kidnapped in West Hollywood. And so it's a big trending story. And then Annie will be making a joke like, oh, just go to Trader Joe's. Hope I don't get kidnapped. Like that's her way of yeah. going. That's terrifying. So I'm going to make a joke because it's that's a, terrifying. It's a relief of tension. That's where laughter comes from. It's yeah. a relief of tension. If she's we, not saying, I'm glad that girl got yeah. kidnapped. I hope that girl dies. I, you right. know, like, she's not saying any of that. So I don't know why people say it's insensitive to it, make it. She's but, actually saying she's sensitive to it by making a joke. Right. It's actually, if the tension is created by the thing, and if somebody doesn't dissolve the tension by poking fun at it, the tension remains and then you have a tense society and that's where we are now wait can, can we can we make a joke about what's happening right now i just i moved I, the keyboard was twice like, right, danny twice. has with his elbow hit stop it. with his <laughs> elbow <laughs> danny this is a psa for you and i to lose weight okay if you're turning off your podcast with your arms and i'm over here i keep burping because you know i ate chicken late at night last night you know? uh, i think uh, if i have to keep turning away from the mic and you keep hitting stop with your elbows we need to keep this mission going. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is Dan- Danny literally, can I tell them why, like how you reached out like two days ago? Remember you just, you called me like two days ago? Sure. So Danny reaches out two days ago. And what's weird about that, are, we, are you very public about the fact that you're dieting right now or not? Yes, I'm public about okay. it. I didn't, I, I didn't know if I was like, you know, stepping on you. Know. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty public about everything. Um, how funny would it be if we're in the middle of talking about how people freak out about everything and then you would like, don't talk about my, okay. Yeah. Um, so Danny reaches out at such a hilarious moment for not hilarious, like a well-timed moment. Uh-huh. Um, I lost 27 pounds since March 8th, but then I put 12 of them back on mm-hmm. and I've been in this rut of just like, I can't stop drinking soda. Like I'll fucking crush so many Cokes in a day. The other day I had 13 Cokes in one day. Wow. Yeah. 13 in one day. Four mm-hmm. of those were in one hour. 
And so, and I just love it. I'll drink Coke, like the best of them. And I was just kind of, I was literally lying down considering going to get a Slurpee uh-huh. and you called me and it was from a number I didn't know. And so yeah. you had just seen, or Maddie Goldberg had just told you that we were talking online, right? Right. And I pranked you about something. He pra- well, can I say what you pranked me about? Maybe not. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, actually, I understand why you wouldn't want me to. He acted yeah. like he was calling on behalf of someone that I wouldn't want that person to get upset with Danny for multiple reasons. But anyway, yeah, because uh, that person's crazy. And so anyway, um, so we were, um, Danny hits me up and he goes, I'm calling on behalf of so-and-so. And, I'm, and it kind of freaked me out because I wouldn't want to be called on behalf of this person. And I didn't know the number. So I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And I didn't think it was you because I, I thought I had your number, but it turns out you have a new number. New number, yeah. And so Danny calls me and we we got into a long conversation about everything. Like we always, you and I are always like, all right, let's talk about unicorns. Let's talk yeah, about fucking- I don't think we've ever had a short conversation. No, it's never happened. And we also cover about 90 million topics. Right. But- um. You know, you, you, you had, um, uh, I remember you had gotten some, um, uh, have you talked about how you went to get help last year or not? Yeah. Okay. So I went to rehab last year. Danny had gone to rehab and we talked beforehand and I kind of gave him some day to day, like, you know, one day at a time advice. Cause I'm in the program and sober from drugs and alcohol. And, um, you had said uh, that that didn't work for you, but that you have now found a different way. Right. And so you started to tell me about it and like, you know, it's just weird. I had just dusted my shelves and on my shelf, I have um, a, a, a little thing that represents Brody and a little thing that represents Ralphie right next to each other. So I just dusted that. What are these things? Uh, little pens. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And so um, I um, uh, I dust it right in there and I picked it up. Our two dead friends. Yeah, our two dead friends. And I thought about Ralphie. I can't say that Brody was a friend of mine, somebody I respected, but I barely knew him. But you, you know what, though? Like, he actually was a friend of mine, but like... I feel like a lot of people could just say Brody was my friend just for what he gave to the community. Yeah, that's how, that's why I said it initially. Yeah. I kind of feel you kind of feel like these people are your friends. He's one of those people that I didn't feel, you know, there, there are times where someone dies and people show up to the memorial or at the comedy club and you're like you just seem like you're just here to be part of the moment or so whatever, you know, and there are, I do see that from time to time with certain people and I definitely saw that at Ralphie's actually. There were some people where I'm like did you even talk to Ralphie? Um, but like, uh, or know about his problems or try and help them, him through his problems. Right. But, um, at Brody's, there were a lot of people that showed up and did they hang out with him day to day? Did they talk to him? Did they have his number? Maybe not, but I felt like they were there to honor the fact that like, holy cow, dude, his message was like, get up, keep moving, stay positive. Yeah. Don't stop believing. Don't stop pushing in. I think that you're allowed to say that's my friend. If that guy affected you, yeah. I, I really feel that way. You know? I used to prank call him. Are you being serious? Yeah. Uh, we're going back 15 years, maybe, maybe a little less, 14 years. When I was first starting in comedy, I used to do a lot of prank calls. And my buddy, our mutual friend, Maddie Goldberg, mm-hmm. was friends with Brody Stevens. And he he used to give me people from his phone. We, were, we lived together. We were roommates. And he'd be like, prank this person, especially if I didn't know them, because there was no way they were going to know who it was. Yeah. So just for his entertainment, he'd say, put it on speakerphone and prank this friend of mine, prank that friend of mine. I could see so, Brody taking it very seriously, like if you did it the wrong way. So we used to prank Brody because he used to, he he was very, I remember him being very gullible on these pranks. And so we had a thing going for like a few weeks at one point where I was calling him as, a, I did like, I used to do this Israeli agent uh, character named Roy Jofi. And I actually used that agent to book myself a few times early in we've comedy. All, we've all done that. Yeah. I got this guy, unbelievable talent. I'm telling you, Danny LaBelle. So I used to call Danny LaBelle. <laughs> I used to call up Brody and be like, Brody, listen, I saw you the other night, New York Comedy Club. 
unbelievable funny stuff. I think you might be really right for my uh, for my roster. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, the way you just said roster is perfect. You're going <laughs> roster. For, uh, uh, we do Starline Talent, Starline Entertainment Agency. You have an agent or no? And be like, you know, Brody was much younger in comedy as well. And he'd be like, yeah. no, I'm actually looking for one. I go, unbelievable, perfect, perfect. You have such a look. You have such a skill. But what you're missing is special talent. He goes, what, what do you mean? I go, I mean, like everybody have a special talent. Sometimes I see somebody who can make a good joke, but then they also can do something like you can put on a talent show, like put their hand under their armpit and make a fart noise or something. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I said, maybe you, for you, I think like the angle I would, I would develop for you is you talk always jokes about your relationship with your mother. And he's like, what do you mean? I go like, you always do a joke, but then at the end you throw in, This one is for my mother because I love her. And, and my mother and I, we have such a strange relationship. This is why. And then you do a different topic, but then you bring it back to the mother. And he, That's funny. What did he say? He, well, he was, he was like young and hungry too. He was like, I mean, I guess I could try that. I'm like, unbelievable. I want you to practice Willing that. to try it out? Willing to try it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I said, okay, I'm going to call you back next week. We're going to check in. And we did this for like a few weeks. He's like, look, man, I... I felt bad because he was like, he's like, look, I really don't think this is me. I can't be doing like, I don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> that breaks my heart. <laughs> But at the same time, it would, if I said that that's wrong, that goes against the conversation. Right. We had like, like, does it break my heart? Is he my friend? Yes. Is it still funny? Fuck yeah. yeah. Is Brody rolling in his grave mad as hell? Not no. in the least. He's Probably, listening right now yeah. going. Good one. <laughs> Or he's gone. Wow, I forgot all about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. I'm going to make something bad happen to you today. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, exactly. My little prank call to you is like one of the first I've done in years because I, I, I stopped doing them in New York because everybody who got pranked, it got around that I was a pranker. Yeah. And everyone who got pranked by anyone would blame it on me. Oh, I, I've been dealing with that my whole life. Yeah. I mean, I've had prank show. I had a prank show on Comedy Central, a prank show on Fox. I've been on a prank show on MTV. I've been on a prank show on Fuel TV. I, I mean, I've been doing pranks a long time. And then I, I do internet pranks. And I mean, the amount of people rarely, like if I call someone up and say, oh my God, like I've called people crying before, like really upset about something. And, uh -huh. they, and they're like, Skylar, is this one of your, I'm like, dude, I, I actually, no, I like, please, I don't have time for this. I like, I need help right now. And they're yeah. like, yeah, but is, are you filming? I'm like, oh my, you know what? I'll call someone else. You know, like <laughs> I've done it to myself though, yeah. you know? Yeah, it comes back to bite you. But it was weird that you called because I just really, like, I got motivated March 8th. I lost all that weight, 27 pounds, put 12 back on recently. And I've just been on, and by the way, that shit will come on fast. I could put 12 on in two days. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? I can put on fast and, you know, uh, I can eat a lot. Um, and, um, and so it's weird that you called because then I was like, ah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking listen to what Danny's up to because you were starting to give me, you were dispensing some of this shit. But I just think it's funny. It's like, you know, I, I really, I, I, we only know each other because of Ralphie, right? I mean, yeah, we it. met through Ralphie. That's, by the way, going back to earlier in our conversation, how I said I never felt part of anything, any part of group or a, a part of a group or accepted. That's probably the closest I ever did come to it because Ralphie took me in. Like, yeah. Like I was like a little stray, yeah. you know, and he took me in and he took in all the strays. 
Oh, yeah. Like, you were a stray. I was a stray. He took yeah. in all these strays that nobody else wanted, and he put us all together like, you know, all the misfits. Yeah, we're the had- misfits of the misfits. Like, comedy yeah. is all misfits. And then here's the ones that didn't even fit into a click in comedy, and Ralphie's like, I'll take this one. I'll take that one. But and- it, it is funny how often that feeling never goes away. Uh, when you listen to the Louis C.K. Mark Marin podcast that they did together, the famous one, uh, this yeah, is pre- I remember that. Louis scandal, obviously. Um a lot of their focus was that, you know, um, Louis felt like Mark wasn't there for him when Louis went through his divorce. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny because when you look at a guy like that, crushing it, killing it, this is when he was like number one. This is before. The right, I remember. And so it's like, he's killing it. Uh, he's talking about how he has some custody of his daughters. He still sees them. He has a relationship with them. He's doing great in stand-up. But just to hear that, like, some guy's worried about like, at that level, like a, some other comic that's not, you know, returning a phone call or a yeah. text, it, 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 I guess that that feeling never goes away. Because then he even talks about it. He's like, yeah, I just thought, like, you know, you thought that, like, I was a fraud or maybe not, not that even great of a comic or worth talking to. And it's like, here's the guy that's number one having these feelings. You right. know what I mean? Like the insecurities everywhere. Even as you watch comedians in cars getting coffee, it is amazing to watch these luminaries like literally talk about like random butterfly shit that we all get. And like uh, Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy saying, Eddie Murphy, I loved his interview. He said um, that he doesn't feel like he, whatever he feels completely confident like he's got this on lockdown and nothing could go wrong those are his bad steps yeah i remember i but saw that like a feeling like of like just a slight like oh that my resonated God. with me too yeah dude yeah. you know like there's certain people like i you know i've been at the comedy store before and i've seen someone just enter the room and lean against the wall. They don't have a seat. And I'm like, oh my God, that's the booker for JFL. Or, oh my God, that's the producer of Arrested Development. Like, you know what I mean? And you're in your next and you're like, oh fuck. So they're going to be right there. Okay, yeah. cool. So they're going to be, so there's, there's, there's going to be right. Like, so, yeah. they're, so they're probably going to see my jokes, right? They're probably going to, you know, mm-hmm. you get that little feeling going like, right. you're not, you're not nervous to the point of, oh my God, I don't want to read my report in third grade. And you're nervous to speak in front of people. It's just a little feeling of like, oh, like what if, what if you tanked it in front of this dude? What if what if this was the night that you, you what if this yeah. was your opportunity that you could one day go, oh, I can trace it back to the it's one such night? It's an unnatural, uncomfortable thing. Like yeah. somebody's there to judge you. Yeah. Who the hell are these people? Nobody yeah. who appointed these judges? There are guys. I didn't get into this to be judged. Do you ever think about yeah. that? Like, yeah. like I didn't when you wanted to be a comedian, you weren't thinking about these freaking people in uh in the industry and what they yeah. what they're gonna think of you. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. No, you got in this just to have fun and make people laugh yeah. and feel good. And and then, you know? you know, somebody who worked their way up from the mailroom at CAA, what do you care if they think you're funny? Yeah. It doesn't make sense logically. But but you see these people and like you're like, you're like, okay, dude, you don't even hang out at the store. You you're not friends with one person on this lineup to my mm-hmm. knowledge. Like mm-hmm. you don't even have a date with you. You're leaning against the wall. It's a sold out show. You literally are here to judge. Like yeah, you're, you're leaning against the wall with your arms crossed, you know? <laughs> Negative <laughs> energy. Negative <laughs> energy. Um, um, so, so you have these two pins on your, on your shelf that you were dusting the Ralphie one and the Brody one you were saying. Yeah. And then you called. And so I just thought that was, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't believe in accidents. So it thought it was, we've always talked about me coming to do this with you and, 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 and you, you kind of called it like a little integral moment of to slushy or not to slushy, you know, (laughs) or slurpy, sorry, to slurpy or not to slurpy. And, um, and uh, and and I didn't. I didn't get one. And I haven't That's had a soda good. today. I didn't have a soda yesterday. And I didn't have a soda Tuesday. So, God willing, this will be my third day no soda today. So, yeah, I haven't yeah. had a soda in over six months. I don't know how you do that. You don't miss it anymore after a certain point. You really, really don't miss it. It's like you, you detox from it. Yeah, it is a drug. 
It's 100% a drug. But, Fuck yeah, it's a drug. I mean, you've been really helpful. Before I went into rehab, we had a really long heart-to-heart on the phone. And I, I know you, you you just talked about it openly, so I don't feel bad bringing it up. Anyway, I think you oh, talked you can, about it openly can, anyway. Yeah, there's nothing I hide. Um, but the fact that Except you... Except my sexuality. <laughs> so let's talk about addiction a little bit. Yeah. Um, what? Where did it start for you? Um... Well, it's a disease of the mind, right? So it's not really about, are you asking when did the first symptom of the first thing I was ever addicted to? Are you asking mentally where it started? Because it doesn't start with the act. Alcoholism is not about alcohol. I guess I was talking about substance, but but let's talk about it mentally. That sounds more interesting. Um, Mentally speaking, um, you know, I don't know. I I think I'd be, I think anybody that's an alcoholic would be a fool to say they know exactly where it comes from. Because it is nature versus nurture, and but they both win all the time. Well, one one feeds past the other, but then the other one, you know, pops its ugly head up and goes, "No, I also had something to do with it." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have the gene; it's in my family. My yeah. great uncle, um, God rest his soul, drank himself to death, literally. Like yeah. I know people say, "Oh, he drank himself to death," and what they really mean is like they drank for a long time, and then you know, eventually their liver gave out. Like I no, this was more like leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Nicholas Cage drinking until he's had so much alcohol that his body sh- shuts down. Can you imagine like literally drinking yourself to death that moment where the person's laying in bed mm-hmm. from drinking, almost <laughs> dead? Yeah. And they're like, you've almost drank yourself to death. You want another one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, take that. So listen, if anybody's listening to this and you're trying to take that little snippet that you're thinking will go viral and say that we're anti-autism, I just talked about <laughs> someone that died in my family and gave me a gene that has harassed and tormented all my loved ones. Uh-huh. And Danny interrupted me and made me laugh my ass off about said death. <laughs> so suck a fucking dick. Anyway, um, uh, that was a really good joke. Um, Thank you. So, um, uh, you know, he drank himself to death. Um, his brother, my grandpa, because that was my great uncle, his brother, my grandpa, um, you drank himself to death in the proverb and more like the, like, you know, he died of cirrhosis, uh, but he hadn't drank the last, you know, I don't know, five years of his life, but he, the damage was done. So, so there's that. Um, so, you know, so where did it start before I was born? If you want to go there. Yeah. But then, um, you know, nurture wise, um, I saw some shit, dude, you know, uh, I've done a lot of work on myself, a lot of therapy, a lot of, um, can vision. we talk about what you saw? Sure. Uh, I've done vision quests. I've done um, ayahuasca. I've done DMT. I've done ibogaine. I've done all kinds of things that have brought me back to certain times in my life. And um, I was around addicts and alcoholics. You know, my best friend's dad was a heroin addict. Um, God rest his soul. He was murdered. Um, he came back from Vietnam addicted to heroin. Uh-huh. Um, and he was picking up heroin when he was murdered. Um, and... Uh, so, you know, being just being around people with that kind of energy is going to change you. Where'd you grow up? St. Louis, Missouri. Uh-huh. So just being around somebody that's up late with a ton of energy and sleeps in in the day and is really manic and really agitated and just you're around addict energy. You're growing up mm-hmm. and, and your brain is building pathways. And one of the things it's doing is building a pathway that's like, this is a thing and this is okay. And this guy does this and he gets away with it. Like, so you, you just start, you know, that's why your parents try and 
keep you away from certain types, right? Yeah. For as long as they can, so that you can grow up with good examples. And, you know, he was a good person um, and, uh, uh, and he was actually a good father. Um, you know, uh, I don't think he was always the best husband and I don't think he was always the best citizen. Um, he was a good employee. Like you know, he was good and bad, you know? And, and, and I don't like it when people say, oh, I was around an addict and he was the worst. No, fuck you. There was something good about him, you mm -hmm. know? Cause I never met an addict I didn't like. And it's a famous saying, you know, yeah. they're very charming people. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, look at us. Um, so I saw, you know, um, there's other members of my family that I believe uh, I'll leave nameless that I believe to be alcoholic, you know? So I was around that. And then, um, so, so, so I got the gene and I've seen, and I, I, and I was, I bear, I bared witness to people that uh, behaved uh, in certain ways and did certain things in front of me. Again, people weren't like, you know, sticking spikes in their arms. Right? I'm not like some right. kid in a South Central movie where I, I watched people nod off. Like, it was kept from me, but I felt the energy once they were on it. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I was hanging out with a guy on heroin in front of me. He never How old did, were you? Um... Well, I mean, this the child of this person was my best friend from zero to, you know, we don't really talk anymore, but with zero to, you know, I mean. Uh, 60 and 2.5 seconds. Yeah, right. right. Zero to 12, you uh -huh. know. So that's a young age to be around someone that's that's high on something like that, you know. Right. And cocaine was definitely around too. And, um, but I never saw any of it, you know. And then um, St. Louis breeds alcoholism. I mean, what do you hear at the end of every beer commercial on Football Sunday? You know, brewed in yeah. you know, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Michelob Ultra, St. Louis, Missouri. Like, every single fucking beer is brewed in St. Louis. So I've been there, and it's. I think it's also because it's very boring. St. Louis is a cool town. It's cool? I don't know if anyone took you to the good places. It's it, There's a lot to do there. Really? Oh, my God, dude. It's the second best zoo in the nation, right behind San Diego. <laughs> I love that. But for, first of all, mm -hmm. that does mean a lot to me. I love a good zoo. I love a good zoo. But it's just such a funny example for an adult man to get second best zoo buddy like hey okay how about this I, I, best baseball fans in the world best baseball stadium in america How's yeah that? i went to the um the negro league museum that, that was that's pretty there cool. too I performed there yep yeah that's there too that was really cool look I, I it's not that boring but it is also like i guess coming from new york and la mm -hmm. to me these cities feel like like the energy is very low in St. Louis, yeah, like well, but I, but again, guess, it, th that's also. But I'm, maybe I'm making assumptions. I think maybe uh, it, it's part of the chart. Look, I think with any city, unless you have a local tour guide telling you where not to go to waste your time, uh -huh. you know, you're going to end up opening a brochure that is just trying to sell you the corporate examples of what you should be doing. Like, mm -hmm. I'd rather have someone go, yeah, people say that's the best Mexican, but this is the one that the locals go to. This one we know about. Like, yeah, that's just the one that gets the press. This is the one that, like, you know, mm -hmm. if you live here, it's the hidden gem on the block. You need a guy like that, and right. I could do that. That for you in St. Louis. I could take you to get the best salsa in St. Louis that no one talks about. Uh -huh. I could take you to, um, I could, I, mean, I know a great place to get rid of a body. You know, there's a, there's a <laughs> landfill in Valley Park it, that I think is yeah. it in the zoo. Yeah. Actually speaking of this landfill. So in, in the neighborhood that I, oh, I never thought about this in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Now I wasn't born there, uh -huh. but I, I moved into this neighborhood in second grade. The true story that I'm not just saying this because of what we opened up with. When I moved to this neighborhood in Valley Park in second grade, um, there were several kids that were born with autism in this neighborhood to the point where people were like, this is an abnormal amount of children born in one neighborhood with autism. We were literally like an episode, a, a shot right out of the Simpsons. There was a landfill you could see from our neighborhood. I mean, it was like 
right fucking there. Like uh-huh. it was like like you went out, you stretched your arms, and you know, you heard the birds chirping, and then you heard you know, trash is being like dumped, you know what I mean? Like behind the fucking sunrise. Um and my dad, and my dad's uh, theory was that uh, that landfill had something to do with like, I don't know, something's in the water, maybe something's, uh-huh. I don't know, I don't. I, anyway, yeah. Now we're gonna get torn apart. People are gonna be like, they said autism's caught by trash. <laughs> Can't wait for it. the fucking backlash. I believe it. We're gonna fucking blow up after this, dude. Proceeds of today's show will be given to the <laughs> National Autism. I don't know. But what were we talking about? Um, we were talking about addiction. We were talking about uh, getting rid of bodies. Oh, uh, yeah. St. Louis. And St. Louis is great. But anyway, uh, St. Louis breeds alcoholism a lot. You know, St. Louis also, it's set up, it's one of those cities that still has um, a lot of racial issues. There's old money and old racism there. You know what I mean? Not like new racism, like old, like it's just kind of, I mean, although you could just argue most racism is just something that's passed down. I still actually feel like I, I've met a lot of people that just kind of become racist on their own and you meet their parents like, where did you get this from? Because they're, they're not, the, you know. Uh-huh. So, but this is, St. Louis has a lot of old racism. That's why Ferguson riots happened, you know, and uh-huh. it's got a lot of old money in it and, 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 and people that just are very entitled because they in, inherit money. You know what I mean? There's a lot of big companies out of, St. Louis, Ralston Purina, Anheuser-Busch, um, all, all big companies that everybody's heard of. Uh, Monsanto, unfortunately, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of wealth there. Um, and, uh, you know, we were uh, uh, probably middle class, sometimes lower middle class family. Um, dad did pretty well. Mom stayed home, home and took care of me and my sisters. And, um, you know, um, uh, they did their best. And I mean that in, the, in a positive way. I don't mean it like, you know, Oh, we were fucked, and oh, mom and dad did their best. They did their best. What you know did your dad do? Uh, he is, well, he's retired now, but um, advertising, uh-huh. wrote commercials for Jack Daniel's whiskey, Payday candy bars, Heath candy bars, Southwestern Bell, Winchester Rifles, big companies. Wow, uh, wrote commercials, art directed. Uh, you know, he was a creative director, award winning, very good at what he did. Um, uh, had a motto that he raised me with: "Good enough is not good enough," and I love it. Like mm-hmm. he didn't mean that in like a military colonel dad way. Like just get down and give me twenty more. Like he just meant like Skyler, never hand me something that's good enough. Put everything you got in it. That's what uh-huh. that was the vibe, you know. Yeah, and that's why I, I, I feel like, like I've good been enough successful. Is not good enough. Yeah. So what, how good would good be good then? That's like, good. I mean that, that's a that? good question. It good enough is not good enough. Is good good enough? Is good good enough? I don't know. It depends on what your good is. Is great enough great enough? Is Tony the Tiger really great? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, Smithers. (laughs) Excellence, not excellent enough. So when did you start using? Um... Well, on the way here, I did a line. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm two years and three months sober. Um, Congratulations. First time I started using. It's a fantastic question. First cigarette was probably like sixth grade. Uh-huh. Uh, but that, but not addicted. Just kind of like, oh, my God, I stole a cigarette. You know what I mean? Like, we all took a couple puffs and threw it out type shit. Mm-hmm. Um, first time. I mean, But again, I've had addictions to a lot of things. Like, um, first time I ever felt kind of addicted to soda. Uh, I would argue like, you know, fourth grade. I just remember like my mom would get a couple two liters of Coke. They'd be in the fridge mm-hmm. and we'd all have a glass maybe and with dinner. And then when they went to their room and 
everybody went their separate ways. I just remember I would sneak downstairs and drink a cup as fast as I could. I'd hide in the closet and slam it. Like yeah, I know that. Yeah, just hiding mm-hmm. hiding how much soda I was drinking was a very young age thing. Yeah. Um, Addiction is always sneaky. Yeah. It's always sneaky. And, and 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 pizza, I just remember pizza. That was, I could eat more pizza than anybody on planet Earth. That was my drug. You know, if I was at a church function and there were a stack of stacks of pizzas, I remember sneaking off with one and finishing one by myself at a very young age. Wow, at a very young age. You know, um, alcoholic wise, like like alcohol. I remember starting in ninth grade, uh, being depressed because my parents moved me from St. Louis up to Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I was very mad because I really love St. Louis. I'm, I, I have a lot of St. Louis pride, so it's very funny that you said it sucks. I'm like, oh, I'll fucking kill you. I love St. Louis. <laughs> well, um, I've only been there once. I'll go back with you. Every comic that says they hate it, I'm like, what did you do? Like, oh, I was at the Westport Airport. and, and uh, I like the Negro League Baseball Museum. Yeah, I mean, fun. that's that's one of the coolest parts, but there's also the Magic House. You got to go to the Magic House. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, like you got to have Emo's Pizza. Did you have Emo's Pizza? Oh, I'm, not, I'm off pizza. You know, the way I eat now, I they didn't even take it. Well, okay, but at the time, the barbecue, and I wouldn't eat the beef. At the yeah. time, I had good barbecue. Okay, I was going to say, you have to. Yeah. And then you and then the, the, you got to have Italian food on the hill. Um, there's a lot. See, all them. these things are just like drugs to me. Like, then there's drugs on the hill, then there's drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's drugs over there. And there's drugs, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, what was I saying? You were talking about the Pride, St. Louis Pride. But why? What was I saying? Uh, you were drinking. You were talking about when you got into drinking. Oh, they moved me up to Kalamazoo. I missed St. Louis because I loved it uh, on a on a large level, and I, I left all my friends behind. And I was I was popular ish. You know what I mean? Again, Ferris Bueller just hung out a lot of different crews, and I had a girlfriend, and mm-hmm. I was on a baseball team, and I was I, I just did my first musical theater thing, and I was bummed. So my parents moved me up there. And so, so you know, because alcoholically, to be honest, you have to see what, what the root is. The root was I, I felt displaced. I mm-hmm. felt out of sorts. I was sad. Uh, I didn't like this feeling. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know yet that, hey, man, that's fucking life. You move sometimes. Yeah. And if your parents moved you, they moved you because they saw it to be the good reason. So I, um, instead of walking through the pain and the, uh, walking on the hot coals, I decided I don't want to feel this way. So I'd go down to their liquor cabinet, uh, which they didn't lock. And why should they? They didn't know their son was going to start doing this. And mm-hmm. I would just grab a bottle of something. And so uh, I had this, uh, I have OCD as well, like pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, there was this, um, I'd start, I started with, uh, started with vodka. And you, know, my dad's not a huge drinker, you know, hence like he could be meaning like, there there were stories where he'd go on a deer hunting trip and let me know that him and Vince and Dan got pretty fucked up or, you know. Oh, he could be in that. See, sometimes I thought you were saying like he could be if he applied himself. <laughs> God, he, God, I, 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 I've always said, Dad, if you could just fucking get the belt out when you're drunk and hit me, like mm-hmm. you, you could be an alcoholic, you know, like just knock a tooth out or something. Call me pathetic, you know, cry to me on my lap and say that your dad used to beat you. And that's why you hit me. Like, give me something like (laughs) fucking ruin me. Okay. The way you were ruined, pass it down. Yeah. Um, No, he could be, you know, there were stories that like, you know, like him and the boys could get, he knew how to, he knew how to tie one on for sure. And I've seen my dad hammered, like hammered. I've been hammered with him. Yeah. But in my house, 
if I buy a, 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 if someone, if I have a birthday and three people decide to get me a bottle of liquor back in the day, like a bottle of Bullet and a bottle of Grey Goose and a bottle of Belvedere, you know, and they got bows on and everything. Those three bottles don't stand a chance in my home. They're not, mm-hmm. I don't have a liquor cabinet, okay? Yeah. The idea that there's like a, a, a constantly well-stocked thing where you could just have a little bit of any type of alcohol. You, no, 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 that does not happen with me. Like yeah. you give me three bottles, those three bottles are gonna be done within a couple of days, you know? So my dad, you know, bless his heart, you know, he, he had a liquor cabinet because he could have, he could theoretically have a um, a bottle of vodka for a year and he may not even like, oh, yeah, we have vodka, sure. Yeah. The answer over, let's have some vodka, you know? Uh-huh. And so, not me. So so anyway, so I grabbed it and I thought to myself, well, if I just fucking slam a lot of this, they're going to notice. But if I just kind of take it easy, you know, because it's it's, yeah. it's it's that idea that like, you know, like there's been the, the stories over the years of, you know, or, okay, remember in Office Space, the entire fucking scheme of Office Space is like, we're just going to steal a little bit at a time, you know what I mean? Right, oh, right, it, right. Until it adds up to a lot. Well, that's what I was doing with the alcohol. So I had this rule. And looking back, this is insane, Danny. I would walk up and I'd start with vodka. I'd go, all right. I'm going to take one sip of vodka. So I'd open it up. I'd look around. No one's around. I, I, I was smart about it. I'd go up to the door. I'd put my ear on my parents' door and I'd be like, all right, they're watching a movie. They're laughing. All right, the acoustics, you can tell they're holding each other. Okay, they're in bed for the night. Okay. Uh-huh. And then I go to Lauren's room, right? And like, okay, Lauren, what, oh, Lauren's out. She's snoring. Okay. And I go to Lindsay. Okay, Lindsay's still up, but I can tell she's watching a movie. You know what? She never goes downstairs. She's scared of the dark. Okay. Well, yeah. good. You know what I mean? I had my rules, you know? Yeah. And I bring Cody, my dog, with me so that Cody wouldn't buy. I'd come down, I'd greet Cody, I'd bring Cody. And looking back, like, this is alcoholic. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I used to do the same thing with my parents' yeah. uh, liquor. And you know what's funny? At a certain point, uh, I think they they walked in at night. Like I would creep and and I'd be like pouring whiskey. And I they came in at night and uh, I'm drinking their whiskey at the in the kitchen. I remember this, and they're like, "Oh, you having some whiskey?" Yeah, <laughs> it's just like not a big deal. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I, I probably don't need to sneak around to do this anymore." Oh uh, wow! Yeah, my parents would have disowned me. I mean, I would have been sent to a behavior camp. It, it, it to them, it, my. Actually, I was remember my. One. I think they. I think my 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 mom said something like, "That's your Scottish blood, uh, in you that you're drinking that." Because my mom's from Scotland, so uh, they're just like, "Oh, it's natural that our boy is drinking whiskey in the yeah. middle of the night." Uh, that's funny. No, in my house, it was it, it would it wouldn't have gone like that. The reaction wouldn't have been good. So that's why I, that's why all the the okay, let's figure this out so no one knows. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was already in a lot of trouble and I was always kind of, I, I was always viewed as a troubled youth. I was always in trouble at school. I was always anti-authority. I was always getting yeah. in trouble. Like I would, I went, went out and bashed mailboxes the way that you do in the Midwest when you're young, you know, you just drive by with a bat and you just hit mailboxes like they're fucking baseballs. Because you know? otherwise it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, full circle. Good callback. And for the win, fucking Danny Lobel. <laughs> Danny Lobello. Um, so uh, so basically, I would go up and I'd grab the bottle of vodka and I'd do a sip. Not a chug, mm-hmm. a sip. And I'd say, my now that I know what a, an, at that age, I have no idea what an actual shot, like mm-hmm. how much a shot is. Yeah. But now that I know, I would say these sips were half shots. Still a lot of alcohol, you know what I mean? Especially just straight with no, you know, no mixer, no chaser. Mm-hmm. So I'd do one sip of vodka, close it, put it up, and go upstairs. I'd yeah. wait a little bit. 
I'd see if I feel anything and I wouldn't. So I'd go downstairs and I move to the next bottle. Cause again, mm-hmm. it's the office space theory, just a little bit off of each bottle. Yeah. If you do one bottle too much, it's going to be holy shit. Yeah. But again, if, if they're all like a third down, it's believable but, that you could be like, Oh, they're, they're all third they're evaporating. down. Evaporating. Evaporating <laughs> or just, Hey, we've been naturally taking a, a having a couple <laughs> drinks out of all of them over time. Yeah. But if one's glaringly, it's like, wait, honey, did you make a bunch of fucking screwdrivers last night? You know? Yeah. So, um, so I'd move on. Now, I thought this was genius because of my theory of trying to get away with it. Yeah. I didn't know anything about mixing. Uh-huh. So now I'd go on to a whiskey bottle and I'd take a sip of whiskey. I'd uh-huh. put it down. I'd go upstairs. i wait to feel anything. All right. Now I've done a sip of vodka, a sip of whiskey, nothing. i go downstairs. i grab the rum. I'd take a sip. Uh-huh. And, you know, by about the fourth, now you're like, okay, because at, at four, you're at like two, you're at two shots. So you basically, at, at that age, I probably weigh, I mean, I weigh 220, 220 exactly right now. That age, I mean, Jesus, I, I must have weighed one. I was a scrawny little thing. I was a little runt. Mm-hmm. Must have weighed, you know, buck 30 maybe, buck 25. I was tiny. So at that weight and also no tolerance yet in life, you know, you're mixing alcohol. You've had two shots. That's like a kid at a wedding stealing two shots. You're going to, you're going to start feeling something. Right. My goal was to always do 13 sips. And that 13 sips was probably from about eight to nine different types of alcohol. So we're talking brandy. We're talking fucking everything. Dude. Yeah. Rum. Yeah. And so that's six shots. That's six and a half shots. Uh-huh. At that fucking age, dude, you're fucked up. I'd be flying. I mean, that is when, when I've traced it back. Like that's when, and what I thought was, if you would have asked me at that time, like if you would have walked up and said, you're an alcoholic. Uh-huh. I thought an alcoholic was someone that drank themselves to death. Because when Uncle Bob died, yeah. and I'm like, how did he die? Like, oh, he's an alcoholic. What's an alcoholic? Oh, it's, it, my, I remember my mom flippantly. She didn't mean yeah. to like define it ultimately for me, but flippantly she had said, uh, you know, an alcoholic is when you drink yourself to death. Right. And so I was like, so if you would have walked up to me and said that, I'm like, I'm alive. I'm not an alcoholic. Like, an alcoholic is someone that drinks himself to death. Yeah. And so I would have just told you like, hey, man, you don't know a damn thing about my situation. I'm going through a lot and I just want to feel good. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's an alcoholic. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> you don't feel good. You don't know what to do with it. You don't want to walk through it and you numb the fucking pain. Like, yeah. But everybody that doesn't know yet they're an alcoholic, they think that they are uniquely different. The biggest part about AA that breaks it all down for you is that you are not different. You're yeah. not special. You're not yeah. unique. You're not a fucking snowflake. You're just somebody that doesn't like pain. Come in. We're going to give you a hug. The same thing can be told to comedians. You're not so special. Yeah. You just have social anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> you're not special yeah yeah some people like choose to just fucking go to the links every day and fucking hit the ball right when they get out of work or right before you choose to get on stage and tell dick jokes like like, everyone has their thing they escape to you just found a profession that has escapism in it yeah and also a lot of depression and also a lot of alcoholism anyway yeah yeah You know, I work uh, at at rehabs with uh, teen, yeah. with teens who struggle with addiction, which I love. And uh, one of the things I I came I I guess I came up with I to, I, I I tell them all the time. You guys have autism. No, <laughs> <laughs> You're all diagnosed with yeah. autism. Every single one of you. you. Get out of here. You're gonna thank me one day. Yeah. Skyler could have used this diagnosis. You're gonna fucking soar right past him. But you know, they always come in with all this guilt about the fact that they're using, and I'm like, look. For whatever reason, you were in in agony and pain of some sort, and you're basically just a bad doctor. Yeah. You're a doctor. Imagine if you went to a doctor and you said, so where'd you go to medical school? And they said, oh, I, I didn't. I just kind of like, I'm winging it. Yeah. Uh, that's what addicts are. We're just like, we don't know how to deal with this crippling depression, anxiety, all these feelings. 
that we have. We don't know what to do with them. So we prescribe ourselves, you know, whatever pills, what we drugs, yeah. drinks, you know, food. And we're just like, here, I give myself this prescription and you try it. And you're like, oh, I guess the medicine's working. Yeah. You're getting worse and worse. Yeah. I'm like, when you come here to rehab, I tell them, I'm like, you're here. Imagine now that you're in medical school. Like, you're going to learn now how to diagnose yourself and what to prescribe yourself to actually get better. Because you've just been operating as a rogue doctor up until now. Yeah. You know, this is your medical school. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank you. I like that. But that's, I mean, I think that kind of sums it up in a way uh, with regards to what you're saying, where you start using this stuff to just numb. Yeah. It's it's literally just medicine. It's just very bad, like, black market medicine. Well, but also one of the things that distracts you from thinking you are one is there's two reasons to drink, right? Really, if you, break, if you boil it down, it's to celebrate or to numb. And so, you know, you either like, you know, if you're at a premiere and you're, you got a part in this movie and you got plus four in your guest list, uh -huh. you guys are drinking to celebrate that night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what happens is you do spend half your time and sometimes even more, you might even spend 70% of your drinking time of just your drinking time doing it for celebratory reasons. Mm -hmm. And so when the celebratory outnumbers the numbing examples, you can fool yourself that you're not an alcoholic. You're like, hey, man, I'm drinking during a lot of good times. Have a lot of good occasions yeah, on and, the and, calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seven out of 10 times, no jail, no fucking, you know, no 5150s. And <laughs> and my, my wife and I didn't fight and it felt great because we were a little extra buzz, you know, whatever. And you might tell yourself, I'm not an alcoholic because of that. But dude, it's the 30% of the time where it's not your drinking when you're sad is so different than your average person. Like, look, there are people that aren't alcoholics that might come home and go, I've had the worst day ever. I'm just going to have a nightcap. And they have a nightcap. And it did relieve some tension because they did figure out, oh, well, I can have one drink and I've, my muscles are a little loose. And you know what? I feel fine. And I'm just going to go to bed. Mm -hmm. That you can use alcoholic that way. I'm not saying you can, that, that no person can in good conscience and in good faith have a drink while sad to get, to relieve some pain and, and, and not be considered an alcoholic. You can, I can't. Yeah. Cause you're using it as medicine. They're just using it as. For way, what it is, like a it, libation. It's honestly the same way that I eat pizza versus the way a normal person eats yeah. pizza. Like to them, it's just pizza. To me, it's drugs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I will fucking snort a pineapple pizza. I will fucking snort that shit right <laughs> out of my fucking nose. Um, but, um, you know, um, um, I think that um, my sponsor was able to say something to me that made sense. He just said, when, we, when, when I needed to identify, you know, as an alcoholic, when I had to do step one, he said, um, Skylar, did you ever uh, make plans to get drunk? I go, yeah. He goes, what do you mean by that? I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, like, did you ever, like, did you ever on a Monday go, oh, this Friday night, I'm getting fucked up. I'm getting fucking fucked up. I go, of course. He goes, normal people don't do that. And I was like, I, I don't know that that's true. Like, I, I doubted mm. it at first. He goes, I, I go, I don't know that that's true. I go, I feel like I, I knew kids in high school that, like, you know, knew they were getting fucked up Friday night. He's like, don't confuse what happens in your youth. Like, everybody's an alcoholic from like 15 to 18. Like they're, they're drinking at alcoholic level. Some people yeah. that it falls off like, Whoa, glad I sh got that out of my system. Yeah. Some people are like, Oh, I could get used to this. He yeah. goes, you're that you're that guy. You didn't stop. Mm. And, but I go, but I have friends 
that, you know, um, that I know, like, send out a group text, say, hey, man, who, what are you guys doing Friday night? Let's go see Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's, let's go to the bar afterwards and get fucked up. And he goes, okay. He goes, and so what? You're trying to tell me that you have examples of friends that send that message out and, like, they're not alcoholics and, and, and they're, they got their life together? I go, yeah. He goes, how the fuck do you know? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, how the fuck do you know they're not an alcoholic? I'm like, he goes, don't even tell me because they have a job or they're because they're married. They have he goes, you, Skylar, he's like, I've heard of you before I met you. He's like, I know who you are. He's like, is that any fucking sign of like th that you're not an, like, you know, like it's called being a functioning alcoholic. It's called yeah. being, and he just said, he goes, if you have the mentality that like, you know, you are drinking to get fucked up. He goes, you can drink to feel good, but drinking to get fucked up, blacked out, like to the point of like, oh my God, like you have to get an Uber. That's an alcoholic. You know, yeah. and I think that what happens is a lot of people are unfortunately dying on a vine because the drinking good times are more often than not good times. But what they're not understanding is their bad times are way worse than most people's bad drinking experiences. Mm -hmm. A non-alcoholic can once in a while go, oh, there was a time I got too drunk and I threw up at a restaurant. I embarrassed myself. I had to take a, an Uber home. Yeah. And that kind of person goes, but not again. I, I won't do that again. Like, right. And that's then a, when you're an addict and you hear that, you're like, that's just a Tuesday. <laughs> one time? You can remember one yeah. time? <laughs> yeah. I can't remember a time where that didn't And happen. I remember a time when I, when I was so arrogant in my addiction that I would hear a story like that and I would be like, what a boring person. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> when I would hear people yeah. go like, you know, when I would just see somebody say, you know, um, hey, you want another one? Oh, no, I got to got a big morning tomorrow and I'm a yeah. fucking loser. Yeah, yeah. Because you, your addiction becomes the stronger narrative in your mind. So you start to to judge everybody's life off how the same thing as the comedian. Like how it's the same, you know, how the comedian's like, oh, all these people are civilians because yeah. they're not important like me. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like this this idea of like all these people are just civilians because they're not alcohol they, they don't you don't think yourself alcoholic but you think they're not fun partiers yeah. like me you know like it, all of a sudden I knew people down at coachella that would come for three days and again friends that weren't addicts but because they were at coachella like i'll do some molly uh -huh. you know so they'll do like one pill of molly on friday night now one pill of molly would never get me high i, I would need at least three four and by the end of the night i probably would add seven or eight which is crazy because that's a very very there's a very real chance of overdosing at seven or eight pills in one night. Wow. And I did all the time. Like it was nothing. So, and I would do that three days in a row at Coachella because it's a three day festival, mm -hmm. but I'd have friends who would do one pill on Friday night. They'd roll their face off. They'd have a great time. And then Saturday they'd take it really easy and maybe just drink some white wine, but only a couple. And then they'd like, you know what? I'm not going to go Sunday. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, fucking pussy. Mm -hmm. But no, they were thinking about like, wow, I just, I just did Molly. I don't do that mm -hmm. except maybe once a year. And I got to work Monday. So I'm going to go home Sunday and I'm going to relax myself. Like, and yeah. I used to think they were such fucking civilians. Right. You know, like you yeah. aren't one of us. Yeah. You, you're not Hunter S. Thompson inside. <laughs> Killed himself. You're not Jim Morrison. Killed himself. You're not Jimi Hendrix. Died in a tub. In a tub. You know, like, <laughs> no, wait, Morrison was in the tub. Wait, were they both in tubs? I don't know. Morrison was in a tub. Jimi Hendrix choked on his own vomit. That's what it was. Anyway, it's like you think about this stuff and it's like, I used to think, I'm like, you know, hey, I Hunter S. Thompson literally used to be like my, like, you know, people like, you got to slow down Hunter. I used to say Hunter S. Thompson never did before he died. I yeah. said all the time. I'm like, that motherfucker. No, he stayed true to the bone, hardcore. He still does mushrooms. Right. He still does this shit. He still writes his articles. He's got a blog even now, this, that, the other. And then he killed himself. And at that point, I'm like, fuck. 
Well, I no longer have like. That's what happens. Like when Ralphie died, I got that. Like I got that feeling because I always Ralphie was my Hunter S. Thompson in a yeah, way. Yeah, it's like I oh, like, I can if he can keep eating and Ralphie's and bigger than me, he's fine. Yeah, and then I t- you talk to Ralphie at the time, be like, he would be like almost arrogant about it too. Be like, all these motherfuckers told me all Ralphie got slow down with your eating. Greg Giraldo dead. Mitch Hedberg dead. They are, I outlived them all. I'm going to outlive everybody. You yeah. know. Then he said, you know, everybody says being fat's going to going to hurt you and doing this doesn't bother me at all and and i'd be like i started to believe it because i wanted to believe it i wanted to believe it too yeah when i um uh my wife did the makeup and hair for ralphie and lana when they taped back-to-back specials at south point um in vegas yeah and so we went there for the weekend and uh ralphie had one of those like rain man suites you know they gave him like the fucking suite of the hotel you know wow. I mean? like, it, like you had to turn around a corner to see the rest of it and even past that corner there was still more wow it just never st- i never saw anything like it it was it was insane um like this is not a hotel room guys this is like a hotel itself you yeah. know <laughs> and um i mean literally he had, he had a foyer that literally had its own door so you walked in and then yeah. you, there was another door to you know what i mean like you could hang wow. your jackets up and shit it was insane so um i just remember seeing like you know just what we all dream of, man. He just, his kids could run around a hotel room and, and, and Ralphie's like saying, you hungry, man? What, what you want? Dude, I'll fucking order you food right now. What do you want me to order you? You do like, such a good Ralphie. Oh, oh man, I wish I could right do a Ralphie now. like you do. Dude, Danny. What's the trick? Danny, first of all, you better get the job right. If you don't get the yeah. job right, you got you don't got shit. Yeah. You got to have that fucking job right. And, it's yeah. got, and you got to, you got to, sometimes he talks real fast. Yeah. And sometimes he'll slow that shit down. Wow. Dude, I'll fucking slow that shit so down. so good. You know, um, such a good Ralphie. Oh, he was the best. And so I just remember being there and like, you know, he ordered like this room service for it. He's always accommodating. And I, I love, I love that lifestyle. Everybody loves that Goodfellas lifestyle, like a lot of cash type vibe. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, what do you want? I'll fucking take care of it. Everybody yeah. fucking loves that. Who doesn't oh. fucking love that? Not in a, I want to use him sort of way. Just like a, what a fun situation. You, yeah. you just you so feel much- like you're important for being in this person's life. Well, he's just, he treats you like the way he was doing it was like, he was just kind of like, dude, what am I going to fucking do with all this? This is too much for anybody. Let's fucking have fun. I, he used to always say that. Yeah. What yeah. am I going to do with all this? What am I going to do? Like, Cause he just hand Nicole a lot of cash for something. He he was just nice, dude. He was just nice, and he was and look, it's seemingly it generous. I the mean, reason it's different with him is I've had a lot of friends with money that I don't want to hang around. It, it's because they're fucking assholes. Anytime I talk about Ralphie, it could easily become a Ralphie tribute because I I love him and miss him so much. I well, and I love that about you. The fact that you, you I remember you called me and we did an over the phone thing. Um, yeah, when I did that, was that how long I did him in, in memorial. In mem, what's the word? In Mario Andretti memorial in his honor when he died. I did an episode. You were on it. I wish like more people because I think you know some of these guys die and they're celebrated by the comedy community like endlessly and I wish that was the case for Ralphie more because I think you know I think there's there's a couple things at play there um he died in what October of 17 it'll be two years this October um you know, Ralphie was on a quest at the time. And w- I don't know that we'll all know fully what was going down. Uh, there's a lot of sides to it. Um, I love, I loved and still love Ralphie. Um, I love Lana. I've heard some people shit on her. And I think that's inappropriate because I think it's very hard to know what goes on in a marriage. And I know that Ralphie 
did some mean things to her in the end, but I know that he only did that because he missed her so much. And if he missed her so much, that means he loved her. So, and that, that's the mother of his children. So I don't think Ralphie wants anyone shitting on her. Um, and, uh, but I do think that both sides made some really poor decisions and some paperwork that they filed and things they did. But again, I'm not, I wasn't in that marriage and there's nothing, right. I, I can't judge it. Yeah. Uh, I can only say that I wish they didn't do certain things. It got murky there. It got murky. And, you know, I think, you know, um, you have to understand when someone like Brody dies, like Brody's the, 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 the underdog. So it's almost like Brody got the attention he always deserved when he was alive. And how sad is that, by the way? How sad yeah, is that? that, I, I, that I don't think me. Brody knows how much people loved him. I don't think he. So when people are like, yes, he did. No, nope, I don't think he did. And that's one of the reasons why he left. Like, you, dude, like fucking look at how, look at the support. But it also bothers me because there's something altruistic about, um, you know, being like, oh, this is a memorial of the great Brody. So, so, so people use it, you know, people, what do you mean? people use it. There are, there are people. See, that's, I guess, why I made the distinction to tell you that Brody was not a friend of mine. I don't want to be part of that camp where all of a sudden somebody dies and everybody jumps on board and goes, this could be attention for me, you know? Well, again, but I, and I do think people do that with a lot of deaths, and, and I'm going to leave them nameless because I saw some of them show up to Ralphie's, you know, memorial at the improv, and I just, I was like, I don't, I've never heard of you being anywhere near him. Yeah, um, and remember, so, yeah, that bothered me too. And, and, I mean, So that's that. But, but. with Brody, again, I, I just think it's, it, so bringing it back to what I was trying to say, which is like, you know, you you said that you, you you wish that, you know, maybe Ralphie was celebrated more. I think over time he could be. I just think that, you know, he did have some personal things going on and he was kind of taking a break from LA as it were at, at his passing. It, 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 he died in Vegas, right? Yeah. And so, you know, he was he was eternally on the road, perennial, perennially on the road, always on the fucking road. And, and, and then he was residing in Nashville because him and Lana weren't getting along unfortunately. And, um, yeah, I think that because of that, when you pass, when you're not near and as connected to the scene, it maybe affects that moment. It, it like, it doesn't affect you and I, we're going to be sad no matter what, because Ralphie did so much for us. But I think like a lot of the, um, peripheral people and the acquaintance people, you know, um, they didn't forget about him. He was just out of place, out, out of sight, out of mind at the time. I felt like he was never in his lifetime. Like he, he was appreciated financially, Mm -hmm. And by his fans, yeah, but not by the comedy world. Oh, dude, I'll tell you right now, it, 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 we're, 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 everything's coming so full, full circle in this conversation. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but like we're bringing like this. We've we've already talked about this today. He is a Ferris Bueller example. He yeah. is a Danny, a Skyler. I do not feel like Ralphie fit in one crew. No. I don't feel like when Comedy Central made their top 50 comics performing today, I don't feel like he made that list often. You know, I, I don't feel like he was on any list that he should have been. When you and yet said, he was a rock star comedian. Let on me fucking tell you something about Ralphie, man. When I would do my baller ass lineups, Comedy Rocks, when it's Comedy Rocks started at the Improv before I went to the Comedy Store. And my my when I started out at the beginning, I barely put up anybody that wasn't a massive name. That, it's not because I'm a star fucker. Uh, it's not because I was trying to make a lot of money because nine times out of 12 in a year, it was a monthly show. It was a benefit. So all the money went to a charity anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it was because I didn't believe I had a, a big enough fan base yet that I could just sell tickets with the name of my show, Comedy Rocks, or my name, Skylar right. Stone itself. 
So I would I would put like 11 to 13 baller ass names. I remember there was a show one night where I believe the lineup was something like this. This is this should be about 80% accurate. Someone could look it up, but it was like Christopher Titus, Harlan Williams, Bobby Lee, Jeff Ross, Drew Carey, Dane Cook, uh, Sarah Silverman, uh, Finesse Mitchell, Ralphie. I mean, it was in, it just, it didn't quit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you get a lineup like that, it's very hard to figure out who goes last. Cause usually going last for those of you out there that, you know, are, are kind of more of a novice comedy fan going last means you're headlining, right? Well, yeah. that's, that's a fallacy in LA on the mm -hmm. road. Going last is like, sure. it's an honor and it's what you want. It means you're the one with the merch outside that people, people there to see at a, you at a showcase club. Yeah. 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 But, when you're out on the road or, or in a or theater, not a, a headlining club. Yeah. When you're in like, a, when you're at a headlining club, you know, or a, a theater on the road, you mm -hmm. know, like Ralphie would, Ralphie would go out with a guy like Danny and a guy like me. And like, you know, he might have me host or not Danny even host. just a guy like us, actually us. Are you, are you, us he would take yeah. us on the road so you know for those of you who don't know like on the road you know you don't want to be the first guy you don't want to be the second guy i mean it's fun don't get me wrong yeah. but eventually our goal is we want a headline we want to sell merch we want to do the 45 minutes to, or if you're wealthy the two hours you yeah. know um when you're on the road but in la last is not coveted because it's a showcase show yeah everyone's doing the same amount of time for the most part, you know, everyone's doing a 15 or a 20 minute set, you know? And it's, so it's one of the harder spots to do because everybody in the audience is burned out at that point. Yep. And so, you know, especially on like, you know, a lot of shows people try and they try and keep, most people try and keep their shows like six to eight comics in LA. That's, that's a normal size show. Yeah. I was known for my baller ass lineups, long winded fucking bloated line. I mean, just, they went forever, but that was part of the charm. Like, holy cow, what 13 names could he get together this time? You know? Yeah. And so, um, I remember on this night, it was a benefit, I believe, for Oklahoma Tornadoes, I think. It was for the Red Cross, I think. And it was a huge lineup. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who? who for autism. Yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who closes this? Who closes this lineup? Who uh -huh. the fuck? Do you put Sarah Silverman last? No, Sarah likes to get up early. Do you put Titus last? Titus never comes to the improv. He's not going to want to go last. You want Titus to come back, you know? Do you put Finesse last? No, Finesse just had a baby. Like you, you don't yeah. know. You don't know who. To, it, it, and it sucks because you're going to have to tell someone they're going last, right? Right, right. And I'll never forget. I hadn't made the order yet, and I. So what I had done is I just kind of, I had kind of made the order, but I hadn't printed it or officially put it anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I was at the club, and people are starting to mail, you know, mill in like fans and, and club people are coming in, and so. I'm trying to figure out what to do. There's no, usually there's a lineup posted, right? And I've got no lineup posted. If any comics are texting me, asking for a time, if I'm really good friends with them, I'm just like, hey man, I don't really know yet. Uh, show starts at eight. Just please be there at 745 and I'll, you know, we'll figure it out. Though, like, you know, like there were a couple people that I'm close. Finesse, I've opened for him. I can say that to Finesse, right. you know. Um, but Drew Carey, I'm not going to fucking not give Drew Carey a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Drew Carey never does my show. So Drew Carey, I already, I, I was like, I know Drew Carey's not going last because I don't know him and yeah. he's fucking huge. Mm -hmm. So where, where comics want to go is second, third, fourth, right? They want to mm -hmm. go right. And the, the audience is warmed up, but they're not warmed out. Right. Ralphie got there early to eat, of course. So uh -huh. Ralphie's at the yeah. improv. It was, Hey, what's up stone? <laughs> you know, everybody calls me Skylar. Everybody, it's a fucking cool ass name. Like, when you say Skyler in the comic community, you don't even say Stone. I'm the only guy. Yeah. People know who you like. Hi, Stone. Like with you, you people call you Lobel because Dan. There's Dan's. There's Danny's and Danny's. Everyone has a lot of Danny's. In I life, never right? thought about that. That's Th that's, that's why, why you go for someone's. Like, you would never call Ralphie May. It, Ralphie's already weird. Well, it's not another fucking Ralphie, right? You know what I mean? You call <laughs> Finesse Finesse. You don't call Mitchell. 
And you call Titus Titus because Chris is fucking, you know, you call Dalia Dalia because Chris is also, you know, like. Interesting. That's why you, yeah. you go for the fucking, the, the standout The more name. unique name. Wow. But Ralphie, for some reason, like to call me Stone. Hey, Stone. Yo, Stone. Yo, I'm here, man. I'm just going to fucking eat. So if you fucking name me, I'll be over in the corner, bitch. You know, like. Yeah. And so I go, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the order. He goes, hey, man, let me make it easy for you. Put me fucking dead last. I'll follow all these motherfuckers. I don't give a fuck. And I was like, oh my God. Like, it's like he read my, like, that's exactly what I was, that's, that's what I wanted him to say. I didn't even, yeah. tell, he didn't yeah. even know I was going, I had a quandary. He yeah. had no fucking idea. Yeah. Ralphie followed everybody. How long do you think he did? I just two want to, hours. I want to remind you, 13, 12 people <laughs> went on before him. Two, two and a half hours. <laughs> two hours and four minutes. I was, I, the first guess was two hours. Yeah. Not bad. Two hours and four minutes. Do you think they ever let up one time with laughter? Oh my God. Bro, it, that's insane. That's insane. Make all the fucking, you know, 12 most likely to succeed lists you want. Variety's top 10 comics to watch. Fucking BuzzFeed's 12 comics to fuck. Like whatever. Make, do, <laughs> do, make whatever list you want. You show me the person on those lists that could follow Ralphie. Yeah. There are so few people that can follow 12 comics. It's insane. Yeah. Brody was one of them. Ralphie was one of them. By the way, you know how we got into this? <laughs> it's kind of funny because what? I'd said, you know, you were talking about Hunter S. Thompson being your example of this guy who could just keep partying forever. And then yeah. when he died, it was like a rude awakening for you. It kind of made you realize maybe I got to get sober. I think yeah. that's where you were going with I mean, that. he killed himself. Yeah. Right. And then. Kind of hard to say, hey, man, you can party as hard as him and I keep it together. I see like, Ralphie as having killed himself, too. But uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, and I said, that was Ralphie for me. And then I said, I, you know, this could easily become, anytime I talk about him, could easily become a Ralphie memorial. And then it does. Because I have so much to say and you do, too. Yeah. But I do want to bring it back now because I, I want to get back to you and I want to get to our philosopher. So, Alex picked a philosopher for you called, named Sylvia Plath. Oh, you, yeah. Do you know who that is? Yeah. I don't. So you'll you'll have to educate me as we go. He says, what you have in common is because Skylar struggled with addiction, I picked a philosopher who did as well. And we haven't gotten to the part of your story yet where you got sober two and a half years ago. We kind of even got from the alcohol into the drugs. We didn't really get so much into the drugs, but I know... You know, from talking to you, that it got kind of wild. Oh yeah, and uh, to put it mildly, and and then and then what happened? I'm curious before we get into this a little bit more. What what made the change? What change? For you to decide to be sober. What 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 was the? Uh, well, at first I didn't make it. You know, uh, God leads, right? And um, it wasn't. It was. It was. It was. It was destined to happen. And I didn't know it, you know, and that's how destiny works. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. I, um, I, it got off the rails. Um, I unfortunately, um, had a nasty pill addiction and moved beyond weed and alcohol. I often wonder if I just would have stuck with weed and alcohol, if I could have been one of those like alcoholics that never admits it, never waves the flag and just get yeah. again, Keith Richards, man, fucking quit heroin, quit the major stuff, just drinks fucking whiskey and smokes cigarettes. And he's still fucking, you know, He's he's kind of my new Hunter S. Thompson, my new fantasy. Like maybe I could go back. I mean, I wouldn't, but yeah, um, shouldn't. And so I got into pills, and uh, Ralphie was into pills. Um, oh, yeah, I know pills don't work. Uh, they're um, they don't smell, meaning nobody nobody can sniff it on you. So it's the working man's drug. Yeah, you know, um, if you're a pill addict, you can tell when someone's on it. There's like spit collection at the corner of the lips that happens from dry mouth. There's uh, 
um, expeditious speech and there's all sorts of things you can look for. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them are the way that I am. Like it's like manic talking, manic mood, you know, fast talking, uh, you know, um, agitated, you know, and I'm like, well, that's just my fucking base level. But, um, uh, the pills took over and the pills were so many day I couldn't even count. And I had a meltdown in 2015 and, um, my wife kicked me out and um it was bad it was not a good scene you have a bunch of kids too right you at the time only had two uh, my stepkids hers from a previous marriage uh i do have four now um because uh, we had twins but uh, long story short um i went to a, a malibu rehab and uh, andy dick was my roommate that was kind of funny um <laughs> Does he live there permanently? I uh, kind. I mean, it, well, there's the Andy Dick suite. You know what I mean? He's allowed to return whenever yeah. he wants. Yeah. Uh, a lot of waking up to things like Skyler. You should have one of my shakes. I put some bee pollen in it. It'll help you with your stuffy nose. Um, so um, uh, I got sober, and I managed to stay sober for a year and seven months. But I didn't do the steps, and I didn't have a sponsor, and I stopped going to meetings, and I just faked my way through it. And I acted like I, you know, I, I, I act like it was no big deal being an addict, and it is a big deal because your addiction's in the corner doing push-ups at all times, getting ready for you. And so, I uh, relapsed, and I relapsed hard. This is October of sixteen now, um, and so I relapsed until May of seventeen. And in May of seventeen, it was bad. I was doing so much stuff. I was cheating on my wife. I was doing terrible things. I was, everything I did on a daily basis was completely against the code of what I believe in. And that's because I had so many chemicals in my brain that I didn't even know. You I totally lost yourself. Completely. And, you know, I hate when people say, oh, alcohol and drugs really bring, because sometimes people say like, oh, alcohol is truth serum. It brings out how you really feel. Mm, I just don't agree with that. You know, do people get the balls to maybe walk up to a girl they've always wanted to say something to? Sure. And I guess that's where that idea comes from. Like, oh, it gives you courage. And, but that's just courage. That's just that it, it helps with that. But just cause you go up to the girl, you might actually say something to the girl that you usually wouldn't say when you're hitting on, you know, like, right. cause you're drunk and you're just like, you, you're just like, oh my God, your body's great. It's like, would you really say that sober? Like, was that your first line always? Yeah. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> So I just got to a point where I was doing things that didn't make sense and I didn't recognize myself. Um, and I felt like a cliche. I had moments where I looked in the mirror and I remember outside, I, out my voice saying to myself, like, you know, like I remember saying words like, what are you doing? And I thought, I'm like, oh my God, that's like a movie scene. That's what people yeah. do. I didn't, I, think, I didn't think that was a real thing people I've done did. that too. Yeah. Because who who better to ask that question to than yourself? Yeah, you have those moments, and you really hope that like the reflection in your mirror is right start talking yeah, back like to a movie scene. things yeah. that you don't expect it to say, but yeah. it doesn't. No, and never, you're just kind of waiting for it. Never you know? did that. Yeah, um, I really wanted it, but it didn't do that. You want that moment where Simba looks into the into the water and sees Mufasa talking to him or something? Exactly. Yeah. So things just started to. My life was going in a different direction, and God had different plans for me. Uh, my best friend of all time was my grandpa, uh, George Klipner. He died May 3rd, 2008. And, um, you know, the relapse was coming to an end early May, 2017. So, you know, here we are nine years later, you know, he's, he's been gone nine years and you could say one of the largest reasons I drink and get fucked up is how much I miss him. And so God has a plan. That's what I've learned because on May 3rd, 2017, which is the date that he died, May 3rd, 2008, uh, my wife found out everything. And that's not an accident to me. It's not an accident to me 
that the one guy that if he had been alive would have had the balls to come up to me at because everyone's scared of me. My grandpa would you I could kill someone. My grandpa wouldn't be afraid to visit me in a jail cell with me holding a knife, you know, yeah. and, and nobody watching. Like he would he would never have feared me at all. And that's unfortunate that the one person that d- wouldn't have feared me is gone. So I think he made a deal with God. I think he was just kind of like, hey man, I need to send a message. And my wife found out everything on that day. I mean, that's already a day I hate. I already hate May 3rd. I I, I can't, I hope May 3rd doesn't come again. I never want to experience another May 3rd. Yeah. And so she found out about all the prostitutes and the massage parlors and the pills and the lying and the fake prescriptions and the faking pain at the doctor's office and all the, just all the bullshit, all the lies, all the dishonesty. How'd she find all that out? Oh my, she, my wife should be a private detective. She uh-huh. can figure out, she has girlfriends of hers and guy friends of mine that contact her and go, hey, Nicole, I need you to find out if this person's cheating. <laughs> and she figures it out. She can figure out anything. So I don't know why I thought I could get away with it with her yeah. of all people, by the way. I mean, it's kind of hilarious looking, well, not hilarious. She wouldn't think it's funny, but it's hilarious that I had the balls to think that is what I'm saying. Yeah, I hear you. So, um, um, you know, uh, there were all these crazy things that were happening um, I have a dog named George and he's named after my grandpa, whose name was George. And, um, the two months leading up to the May 3rd, where I, where she figured everything out in 2017. So I'm full re- fully relapsed. My dog, George, who's named after him, just started squealing in pain, mm-hmm. terrible pain, like kept us up all night. We would take them to the doctor and the doctor, different vets would say different things. Finally, one vet said, I know what this is. It's disc disease. They're like, you have two options. It's either a seven grand surgery. I'm like, well, what's the next option? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, I mean, I love my dog, but seven grand, dude. And so yeah. they go, or you can put him in a crate, but he's got to stay in the crate um, for 90 days. And uh, you can take him out of the crate to go pee and you can just set him down, but you can't have him jump up any for you know, We need the neck to stay still because it was his neck that was in pain. Yeah. And they said it has to like the, the, the bones have to forge or something. I don't know, something above my pay grade. And so- I didn't think it was a sign during that time, but it was. He was squealing in pain while I was relapsed. The dog that's named after my grandpa who would be so disappointed in me. And so um, when she found everything out, it was the, the it was the nine year anniversary of my grandpa's death. And then um, my dog is still squealing in pain because it's still in the crate. And we're, we're like two months into the three month stay that it's mm-hmm. supposed to have. The, the, the two month mark of the stay in the crate was right on the death anniversary. So there's already two signs that my grandpa put all this at play. Then I go to Mexico. My wife sends me down to a, an alternative rehab because the Mexico or the Malibu one just didn't work. You know, it was like got my ass kissed there and hung out with Andy Dick. It was not recovery. It was fucking bullshit. Yeah. And so I go down to Mexico and now I'm down in Mexico. And while I'm there, um, they put me, they, they want to put me on Ibogaine. Ibogaine is a very, very heavy alternative drug. This is a plant from Africa called Iboga. It's a plant called Iboga. And um, uh, African villagers have been taking it as a rite of passage. Like when boys turn 13, it gives you the gnarliest vision question of your life. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, you're, you're going to shake like you have Parkinson's. You're going to throw up all night. You can't like walk. They have to hold you mm-hmm. down. You scream. You see terrible things. Maybe you, you did see Mufasa. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> and so like they were explaining this to me and I was getting nervous because they're like, listen, some people have died on Ibogaine. Like 17 people have died in the last 30 years throughout doing it. So we need you to know that's a risk. Wow. I'm like, well, how do you know whether or not you're going to be one of those people? They're like, well, you can't have any heart problems and you can't have any... Um, 
uh, I think it was kidney or liver, one of those. And uh, they're like, so we're gonna get you checked out by a doctor. And so they got me checked out by a doctor and I didn't really trust that doctor. I go, I wanna see one more. They're like, well, we can take you into Tijuana uh-huh. where the where the hospital is, but like, you know, we're not gonna pay for that. So you have to pay for that. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you fine. might come back without your liver. <laughs> yeah, right? I said, I'll pay for it. And so they sent yeah. me to this hospital. Yeah. And I walk in and the cardiologist's name in Mexico is George. So now I'm like, all right, dog squealing in pain named George, you know, like, 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 like it's reacting to everything that I'm doing. Yeah. My wife finds out everything on the death anniversary of my grandpa. And now the cardiologist is checking me out as a man named George. I just felt comfortable. And the guy checked me out and he said, you're good to go. You can, he was, I've seen people, uh, he goes, they brought me people here before. Uh, you, you, you will not have any problems on Ibogaine. I'm like, all right. Then I get back to the house and my Ibogaine treatment is like three days away. And um, they're like, hey, we want you to meet your uh, therapist. Uh, your therapist has walked a lot of people through the Ibogaine experience, so he needs to talk to you. So funny, by the way, that when they put, want to put you on a drug to help you, you're like super careful. But when you're popping pills. Hilarious, like, right? Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> There's no doctor that hey, tell you what that is was it? Okay. This cocaine was stepped on with gasoline and plant fertilizer? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll fucking store 10 rails. <laughs> Wait, you want to put me on a drug that African villagers have been using for you know hundreds uh-huh. of years yeah. that like helps them become men? Uh, no, I'll, let me think about this let one. Me, let, let me think about this one. <laughs> All right, go on. Yeah, but I'll smoke some dirt ass weed that I got in fucking, you know, South Central. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so um, so that's three signs now that my grandpa's, uh, you know, the the string puller. And all of a sudden uh, they go, you need to meet your your therapist. They walk me in a room. He's going to walk you through what to expect the next couple of days as you prep for Ibogaine. I walk in, he goes, Skylar, my name's George. I'm like, this is getting out of fucking control. <laughs> All right, your name's George, really? Did someone tell you that I freaked out about the cardiologist and named George? He's like, I, I didn't even know you went and saw a card. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm listening. You know. And so then George gives me all this. And I kid you not, three days later, I go under for Ibogaine and I call Nicole because you, go, you do Ibogaine at night. Nicole's my wife. You do I begin at night. You 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 take it around twelve. It kicks in around like one thirty in the morning, and then you are on a journey all night. And you're in a enclosed room with all the uh, the curtains closed, and you're you there's serene setting. There's a nice bed. There's two other people that are doing it with you. There's an EMT on standby. There's uh, angels. That's angels uh, in the recovery community of, of alternative medicine, at least with ayahuasca and stuff, are people that are there to help you through your journey. And so there's angels in there helping you. Uh, I don't mean like angels from heaven. Right. And so, um, although I do firmly believe my my uncle, my grandpa George was there. And so the next thing you know, they have you take it. And um, I said, I want to call my wife. And they're like, okay, well, this will be the time. So they let me call my wife. I said, babe, I'm about to take it. And, you know, I kind of gave like a, you know, one of those speeches, like, if something does happen, I just, I want you to know how sorry. Like, I wanted to, like, what if I do die right now? You know yeah. I mean? So she said, please don't talk like that, honey. She was, by the way, I have good news. And I go, what? Because now I'm literally going under for, for, for Ibogaine. Um, she goes, because the, the talk of the town had been whether or not I was going to do it. When I got there, mm-hmm. they said I was the most nervous person they ever had there. And they thought that I was going to bail any minute. They thought I was just yeah. going to fucking leave. And so the fact that I was finally, my wife had been on the phone with them a lot saying, you better make him fucking do it. Cause I think part of her wanted me to die maybe. <laughs> and so um, finally she's like, yeah, I can't believe you're finally doing it. She goes, by the way, I have great news. I go, what? She goes, I don't know. She goes, even though um, George isn't supposed to, you know, come out of the crate for like, like another, um, like another few weeks, he's completely fine. And 
uh, I've been petting him and he's been walking around and he's not squealing. It's almost like the dog was squealing until I got to the wow. actual bed. And so then I lied down. I did the eye again. I woke up and Nicole, and he's been healed ever since. He's never squealed wow. since the night I went under, you know? So, so what was that experience when you went on it? What, what did you see? It's <laughs> a funny story. So everybody saw all kinds of things. Everybody. Uh-huh. Everyone saw the craziest shit. There was a guy next to me that literally woke up screaming and he, and he, he was like, he was like panting. His eyes were huge. He looked all manic. He looked like fucking Michael Keaton, his Beetlejuice, like his uh-huh. fucking, like he had bags in his eyes, like dark circles and he's beating his chest and he's just trying to make sure he was breathing and he was like checking his pulse. And then he's like, he's like, come here, come here, come here. And he kept calling like the nurses over. There's a nurse there named Natalia. And she's like, she, he goes, I'm trying to fucking focus. You guys fucking sold me on this shit. You told me to fucking come down here and take it. She said, you said, if I take this, I go on a journey. I'm going to find out what's wrong with me. I'll, I'll find out the root of my problems. I'll find out where my anger comes from. Why I fucking use so much fucking heroin. It's kind of fucking hard to focus on this fucking thing you have me on when there's a goddamn fucking gorilla in the room. <laughs> like points over, like he thinks, there's a, like he literally thinks he's bringing it to our attention and has no idea that uh-huh. the vision quest has started. Like yeah. completely believes there's a fucking, so we're all like, we're, they were told like, hey man, some people are going to say some ridiculous things try not to laugh it could actually like backfire and, and make their matters worse uh-huh. so we're all laughing because i mean he thinks he really he thinks like hey listen i'd like the trip to start but before the trip could start get this fucking gorilla out of here so that's so that's going on right and then there's another girl that was crying a lot and yeah. she actually never shared with us what she saw but she said it was very personal and it's something that happened to her that she forgot and she didn't want I mean, she, she could have been raped it could have been anything like yeah. but she was crying are you ready for what I saw? Yeah. Danny, my biggest worry is that you're going to think that, that that I'm a comic, right? And that that I that I on the way home from Mexico, I just thought, what could be the funniest thing I could come up with? What could be the fun like just so I have a funny story about this and make this funny on my children's lives, on their beating hearts. I'm not making this up. This is all I saw. I saw nothing beneficial in Ibogaine. I saw a tank, like a like a military tank. Yeah. But instead of a cannon, like a cylindric cannon, it had like a, like a slit, you know, like like a, almost like a floppy disk, yeah, like slit, you know, like just a, like a like a very wide rectangle, and it was it was coming over me, and it shot a piece of American cheese out of it, and a voice said, "That's what that always was." <laughs> That's all I saw. That's all I heard. Nothing else happened all night. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. People are seeing gorillas and then like it's share next morning. Like they, they all got to the bottom. Like, why do you think you saw the gorilla? And he's like, the, the gorilla represented my addiction and it's been chasing me around and like, you know, and grabbing me and, and, and making me feel like I can't sleep and breathe without it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause this, this gorilla, I guess harassed him all night. Yeah. And the, you know, the girl said, well, I'll talk to my therapist about what I saw, but I know why I saw it. And it's, it is one of the reasons I use and this, that, the other me. I'm like, yep. Piece of cheese flying over my head. Tank shot it out. Did anybody That's what that try always to was. interpret it for you? Oh, dude, they were hilarious. Like, nobody did seriously. Everyone uh, was like, what if? Like, you know, everybody yeah. just came up with the dumbest shit ever. You That's know? what that always is. That's what that always was. I don't know. I got nothing. Boy. But I, I don't even think that, like, the reason I got sober, my DMT experience was beautiful. And my ayahuasca experience was beautiful. I saw so many things. And my grandma, my the grandfather's wife, uh, the grandfather died. She's also dead, Patsy. Um, Patsy came to me at the t- at the beginning of night one of ayahuasca, and she said, "You're not being one of us. 
let us get to work. And I loved that because you not being one of us made me feel like, hey, historically speaking, um, the men in our family don't do what you're doing. I mean, yeah, we have a couple of alcoholic strength and stuff like that, but like the like the cheating and the and the lying, like there was so much like it, there was so That's much that I was doing. It, it was telling you like remember who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like she was saying. I don't know why I keep bringing it back to the Lion King, but yeah, right. <laughs> remember who you are. Yeah. Um. So like she, she when she, when Patsy said that you're not being one of us, it made me feel like oh so we're from a clan that's greater than what I'm being. So there's hope for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was like saying, you're not being one of us. Like, oh, like we're, we're, we're good. And you're just, you're just not. And when and, she said, let us goes, get to work. Yeah. It felt like a, she believes that I can get there. Uh-huh. B the us, the plurality of that, instead of let me get to work, let us, it made me feel like, wait, so you you're, all, alone. you're all together somewhere. And you, you so you, yeah. you can feel me and see me and send me messages with squealing dogs and, and death anniversaries and, and people named George. And so, the, the, so we are connected. We do go somewhere. Something does happen. All of this just changed my, like the feeling that there's something bigger than right now. Oh, dude. And when you think about it. like in your story where your family moved you and you felt like your roots were ripped out. Yeah. Like you remember now that no, you're still connected. Yeah. You know, I think that there's something there. Yeah. And and also, um, you know, just to play, you know, pop psychologist, but but also the Ferris Bueller thing, man. Like how you never belong to anything. And then you re- you were like kind of reminded you do belong to something. Yeah. 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 Bringing it back to that too. Like just kind of like you know, we we're a kooky clan. We're we're a weird eccentric <laughs> bunch. Like we're like a we're like a less successful royal Tenenbaums. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, we're we're a goofy bunch, and and when she said let us get to work, it just it, it, like it's like wow, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So if you can do something from the great beyond, I can definitely do something here, you know. And it just and also if you're telling me that I'm gonna see you guys if I play my cards right, maybe want to get better that way too. I always think about you know, in all of the programs, it's so important to bring God back into people's lives to recover, you know? Uh, and I wonder if that's to remind people that they're not alone. You know, it's, it's, there's so much loneliness that goes along with addiction. And, and it is important, the higher power to know that God is controlling the show. You know, uh, it's always interesting that the lack of God can often lead people uh, into addiction and putting, putting God back into people's lives has been proven by every single one of these programs to to help people back, but but I wonder if a lot of it is is this feeling that you're alone, this lonely, disconnected feeling that leads you to to, to this stuff and and reminding you you were never alone the whole time can be so gratifying. Oh yeah, know? well it's like what is that poem? There's a it's one of those poems that's made, been made into a poster so many times. I saw it. My sister had it, and I've seen it. Like you know, it's like the type of frame you could buy at like Bed Bath and Beyond, right? You know, like mm-hmm. like it's something about um, the footprints. Do you know what I'm talking about the footprints in the sand? Mm-hmm. I think it's called Footprints in the Sand, and it literally says, um, "When I went through this, um, there were two sets of footprints." you were there, you know, when I went through this other thing, it, it gives examples, yeah. you know, there, there were two sets. And so it, it shows two sets of footprints and eventually there's only one set of footprints instead of two. Yeah. And then she, and when I did this other thing and when I went through this, you were there. But then when I went through this, 
where were your footprints? And when I went through this, where were your footprints? And then here, where were your footprints? It was just me. And then why was, and then it says something like, you know, why was there only one set of footprints in the sand? And then God answered, because there was one set of footprints when I was carrying you. And I was like, oh, uh. damn. You <laughs> thought you were alone. No, bitch, you were fucking. <laughs> God wasn't walking next to you. You can't walk next to someone when you're carrying them. Eh. Look yeah. how deep the footprints are. They got deeper. Yeah. It's interesting that you did a series of different like drugs to get off of drugs. Did you think? Oh, about I, th- that? I talk about it all the time. That's one of my bits. I, I say like, you know, I, I know I realize it sounds crazy that I went and did psychedelics to quit drugs. That's like going to the Playboy Mansion to cure your sex addiction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, going to Buffalo Wild Wings to fucking learn about losing weight. You know, um, I don't consider them drugs. I mean, I don't. They're not, they're not addicting. It seems like it worked for you anyway. It got you sober. It worked for me. The only similar they have to drugs is I saw things, but to me, I didn't see things that weren't there. I saw things that were there. Acid makes you th- see things that aren't there. You know what I mean? Acid's like fucking crazy, you know? But they, As long as it sets you on a path where you're not still doing them, I guess that there's something good to be said for that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never heard of that before, but but I get it. Yeah. It got it got you to open up, I guess, when you wouldn't do it on your own. You would love ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not doing it. I'm not, <laughs> doing, it. I'm not doing anything. Now. By the way, I love that I gave you like Jedi yeah. eyes. Like, am you, I gonna get you? You got me excited for a you? second, and, and I'm like, nope, I'm not, it's not gonna happen. Gonna... All right. Here's here's a going back to Sylvia Plath. Here's the synopsis: The Bell Jar's protagonist. Esther is a career woman struggling against... Wait, wait, hold on. I'm already lost. What? Uh, He says, uh, the bell jar's protagonist. I guess the bell jar is a book. Okay. Uh, Esther. The bell jar's protagonist is Esther, right? She's a career woman. She's struggling against 1960s gender roles. Okay. You got it so far? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She wants to foster his career but feels pressure to get married and have a baby. She okay. wants to... F- I think it should say her career. Okay. She wants to foster her career. But feels pressure to get married and have a baby. Okay. Right. 60s, yeah. Um, as a result, she struggles with terrible anxiety and depression that she likens to being trapped under a bell jar. What's a bell jar? Do you know? I don't know. Some Are kind you, of jar? You're kidding, right? No, I don't know. It's, it's a jar with bells in it. Just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> and so she likens it to being trapped under a bell jar, unable to breathe. She attempts suicide and is passed between doctors until one prescribes the proper therapy. Like you. like uh, Kind of like, yeah. Uh, mental illness can be genetic, situational, or a, deca- or a deadly combination of both. Well, we actually talked about that, too. Uh, how it, it was both uh, genetic and situational for you. When we struggle with mental health, we feel invisible, trapped, and unable to function on even basic levels. Mental health is not improved by lecturing or chastising, but by care. When our mental health is given compassionate treatment, we not only get what we need, we achieve moments of clarity that help us heal exponentially. We cannot rid the world of mental illness, but we can make the world a less suffocating place. Ooh. You like it? I do. That's that's the that's Alex's That's a synopsis of, of is that a synopsis he wrote? Uh, of of Sylvia Plath's 
book, I guess, The Bell Jar. So, um, so he gave us Sil- Sylvia Plath to talk about. I'll tell you a little bit about her. She was born October 27th, 1932 in Boston, Massachusetts, and she died February 11th, 1963, when she was only 30 years old in London, England. And um, How'd she die so young? Well, let's see. This is all off Wikipedia. Um, she was an American poet, novelist, and short story writer. Uh, like I said, born in Boston, studied at Smith College and Newman Co- and Newnham College. For some reason, I know her, man. I, I really know this name, Sylvia Plath. Plath? She married a, yeah, Plath. She married fellow poet Ted Hughes, 1956. They lived together in the U.S., then they moved to England. They Good old Ted, man. Oh, he was a fucking, yeah, he was a boozer. Remember Ted? Do you know him or are you no, kidding? No, no, okay. Because no. <laughs> I don't know who, who you know. Uh, they had two kids, Frida and Nicholas, before they separated in 1962. She was clinically depressed for most of her adult life. She was treated multiple times with electroconvulsive therapy, ECT, and then she died by suicide in 1963. That's the answer to that one. Beljar Ariel, I'm looking her up. Lady Lazarus. I think I just know her from her poems. I've never read any of these books. She's credited with advancing the genre of confessional poetry and is best known for her two published collections, the Colossus and other poems, and Ariel and the Bell Jar, a semi-autobiographic, a semi-autobiographical novel published shortly before her death. In 1982, she won a posthumous Pulitzer Prize for the collected poems. She has a quote here: "Her God, her Lucifer, beware, beware! Out of the ash I rise with my red hair, and I eat men like air, like air." Yeah, what is that? Who eats air? I don't get it. <laughs> Just telling you, I don't get it. If you expect nothing from anybody, you're never disappointed. Man, she was depressed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here, here's more on her depressive episode and her death. You asked about her death. Before her death, Plath tried several times to take her own life. On August 24th, 1953, Plath overdosed on pills in the cellar of her mother's home. In June 1962, Plath drove her car off the side of the road into a river, where she later said, which she later said was an attempt to take her own life. Wow, none of that worked. Yeah. In January 1963, Plath spoke with John Horder, her general practitioner and close friend who lived near her. She described the current depressive episode she was experiencing. It had been ongoing for six or seven months. While for most of the time she had been able to continue working, her depression had worsened and become severe. Marked by the constant agitation, suicidal thoughts, and inability to cope with daily life, Plath struggled with insomnia, taking medication at night to induce sleep, and frequently and frequently woke up early. She lost 20 pounds, however, she continued to take care of her physical appearance and did not outwardly speak of feeling guilty or unworthy. Wait, are you really just reading this to me because there's like another way that I could lose weight? <laughs> you know, you brought up the the co- the soda addiction early in our talk. And you know about cross addiction, I'm sure. Like mm-hmm. you, you replace one addiction with another. Yeah, a thousand percent. So it, it is like, it, it's not about weight, really. It's for you, it's like me. It's, it's about addiction. You shouldn't even, I, I, I try to tell myself not even thinking about 
I try to tell myself not even to think about the weight anymore. I know I have to lose it, and I'm glad it's coming off, but I'm more interested in conquering the addiction. And I mean, it, it's just that. I mean, it's... It's exactly what it is. You know, I, I crave Cokes the same time of night that I crave drinks, you know, and when I'm at the club, I get a, Coke, a couple Cokes in me before I hit the stage, and then go to the bar and get another Coke right when I get off. That's exactly what I did with drinks. Yeah, as long as you're still feeding that addictive part of yourself, you're just holding the place for the addiction before it goes back to something worse. Yep. So that's what you got to think about. Like the Slurpee, you know, it wasn't a Slurpee. The Slurpee was Coke or pills. Or, or a dick in my mouth. Yeah, exactly. Wait. <laughs> are you looking at my shirt collar? Wait, is this... <laughs> is this are we still recording? Or? Yeah, we're still recording. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Like you didn't know that. Just <laughs> <laughs> a guy trying to, wait, are we still podcasting? Dude, you're talking into a mic. You got cans on. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, but man, that's the thing. That's the fight that you and I have. And we still have it. And we have to keep fighting it. That's when my new show, you know, that I'm, this will probably air after that I'm doing in Edinburgh. Uh, it, it's about, you know, I, I called it tipping the scale because I started thinking of addiction like sand on a scale. Like you want to like, you know, have the scale tip the other way. Yeah. And you take one grain of sand off at a time. And for a long time, it feels like nothing's happening. And then you take one off and then it tips the scale because that was the grain of sand. I oh. feel like I feel like that's addiction. Like every time I've tried to fight it and I used to look at it as a failure, it wasn't a failure. It was just another grain of sand. And then you get up and you try again and you try something else and you try something else and you hope at some point, you know, all that becomes stronger than the addiction. Yeah. You know? Well, I can't wait to get there. But I guess that goes against Me too. what you're <laughs> saying too. It's like one, one, one grain at a time, one just, day at a time. Yeah, it, it, it really is. But even yeah, one, like one I, day at a time, I feel like I like that, but I, I always feel like it's a little bit less uh, appealing to me because one day at a time is endless and you don't feel like you're accomplishing anything. It's like every day is the is the battle all over again. It's true, but you're also move. You're also gaining battleground. You know. Well, that's why we take cakes. Well, we what? Take cakes in 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 AA, like your birthday cake. Oh yeah. Well, in OA they don't do that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we take cakes away from you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, it is funny. AA breeds cigarette addiction and sugar addiction. Yeah. There's sweets at AA meetings, tables full of sweets, and there's coffee. And it's still cross-addiction. Creamer though, and sugar. Like, fuck yeah, it is, dude. It's, I think the point is to get to the that inner peace that we need where addiction isn't a thing anymore, where, we could, where I could look at pizza like pizza and not as drugs, where you could look at a glass of whiskey like whiskey and not as drugs. That's become like my main goal. Like, it's not my secondary goal anymore. It is my main goal. Like, I feel like everything else is a distraction. But like, oh, my career is my main goal. Or this is my main goal, you know? And then I have this side thing that I'm doing that's like my health. Like, I've made this number one now. It is it is everything because without it, I'm dead. And that Ralphie dying really woke me up. Because I did buy into, like, when he would say, he had me believing he was invincible. Oh, yeah. He thought that. Yeah. He also didn't, but yeah, he, he, you know. But I believed it for him, and I believed it for myself. It gave me a false sense of comfort, too. How old was he when he died? He was 45. Fuck. Yeah. That's five years from now for me. It's uh, it's way too young. 
I'm going to read you a paragraph from Sylvia Plath, and we'll stop every minute or so and try and like understand what's going on here. And then I'm also going to read you something that I found. So. Awesome. And I also have some quotes for you to read here from her that we'll analyze, and that'll be the end of the show. And I also have some uh, bills I want you to take a look at. I could use some help. Um, <laughs> Stone. <laughs> yeah, Stone. Stone. Hey, Stone, you fucking goofy. Stone, you goofy as fuck, bro. You goofy all fucking day. That's what I was going for. Dude, Stone's got balls, man. Stone's got balls. He always said that. That motherfucker's got balls. I remember when he he's like, when he first introduced me to you, and I barely ever remember when I meet people, but he's like, I got this guy coming over, Dan LaBelle, first of all. He runs some big shows. You're going to want to be friends with him for that. Okay? Okay? You, you got. He, he was always looking out for me. He's like, you got to yeah. get on those shows. Yeah. Okay? No reason you shouldn't be oh, on he, those he lineups. He pushed you hard, dude. Like, yeah. he would, like, I would be leaving his house. He'd be like, hey, man, you need to get Danny on one of your shows. Okay? Yeah. Just book him and me at the same time. I know that was his way of yeah. saying, like, if you want me to do it again, yeah. make sure Danny's on at the same time as me. No reason you shouldn't be on those lineups, LaBelle. Yeah. Let me tell you something else. I think you guys are going to hit it off. I really do. I think this is a good friend for you in LA. That's like funny. he was like looking out for me in every way. He's like, I got a friend for you. Yeah. And I've got like there were plenty of times when he'd be like, Okay, you got you gotta talk to this person because they're gonna get you on that thing. But with you, he was just like, This guy's a friend for you too. That's funny. You, you need you need to have that in, sounds in your like life. Him. He's a friend. because yeah, I was new to LA. I didn't have any friends. He goes, This guy's gonna be your friend. I'm telling you. You yeah, guys you guys gonna, gonna be buddies. You're gonna love him. You're gonna love him. <laughs> And, and 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 of course he's right. He was right about everything except not dying. Well, not everything, but a lot. All right, here's a paragraph from Sylvia Plath. God, but life is loneliness. Despite all the opiates, it's not opiates. It's opiates. Opiates. O p i a t e s. Yeah, opiates. That is opiates. Mm -hmm. All right, I never see the word. Despite all the opiates. Despite the shrill tinsel gaily of quote-unquote parties with no purpose, despite the false grinning faces we all wear, and when at last you find someone to whom you feel you can pour out your soul, you stop in shock at the words you utter. They are so rusty, so ugly, so meaningless and feeble from being kept in the small cramped dark inside you for so long yes there is joy fulfillment and companionship but the loneliness of the soul in its appalling self-consciousness is horrible and overpowering what do you think of that um fuck that was <laughs> How did did Alex do research on me or something? Before? Yeah, yeah, he researches every guest, and then and then just like fucking goes this this is the guy that needs to see this. Yeah, wow, that's fucking. Can I have that? Yeah, I'm. You know, it's so funny me. how many people have asked me for like the sheet, like m maybe seventy percent because it's special. An yeah. outsider, a person that doesn't know me well, did his best to figure out what he could gauge who I am and what. I need to hear. Right. And that's interesting. That's interesting that somebody, because dude, when do we take the time to do that? That kind of goes back to the, you're sitting here talking about, you know, um, you know, Brody getting the attention in real time in real life or, or Ralphie getting the attention in the great beyond, 
you know, and by the way, I think it's insane that we cracked that, that, that one of them got, one of them didn't get the attention when they died, they should, and one of them didn't get the attention that they should have while they were still here. You know I mean, that's kind yeah. of weird. But anyway, um, it's it's crazy to think, you know, p- people don't, you know, when's the last time someone just said, hey, I'm gonna do a little research on you and give you something I think you need to hear. That's 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 why people want that. It's special. Yeah. Now, I did a little research on you, and I just I just wanted to read you something real quick <laughs> if I could. <clears throat> I'm gonna make one comment before you read it. Yes, go ahead. The loneliness. Remember... It's funny because the first few words are God, but life is loneliness, and I, and like I I don't read this before I don't I don't like know what I'm going into, and wasn't it like five minutes ago I was saying like addiction so much of the time comes from loneliness yeah and they bringing and God did, yeah and you I, didn't know I, I you didn't were gonna... know that I was gonna read that yeah that, that like every now and then that happens on the show and I'm like wow because there's dude there's powers yeah. to be that brought us here today I feel like she needed God in her life oh really yeah. Do. That, that she, would have like, but I I liked it. Um, saying that the words have been inside. Like I never thought about the idea that like even when you get a moment to say what you want to say, the words aren't good because you have not been taken care of you inside. So even though you, somewhere inside you have the thing that you want to say, it's got rust. It's dirty because it's been sitting amongst amongst muck. You yeah, know? It, your your words can be a diamond in the rough because. They could be better, but they've been roughed up. You know what I mean? It's been, it's, it, but it's still a diamond. It's still there. Right. I loved it. I loved it. I need to read a couple more times. Um, what, what were you about to read? Well, I feel bad. I, you know, I, I don't know if mine's is. <laughs> I just feel bad. I don't know if yours is as deep as mine. So, I can't wait to hear this. Okay. <clears throat> People say, Yo, Humpty, you're really funny looking. <laughs> I mean, that's all right because. I get things cooking. You stare, you glare, you constantly try to compare me. But you can't get near me. I give them more, see? And on the floor, B, all the girls, they adore me. Oh, yes, ladies. I'm really being sincere. Because in a 69, my humpty nose will tickle your rear. My nose is big. Uh-uh. I'm not ashamed. Big like a pickle. I'm still getting paid. I get laid by the ladies. You know I'm in charge. Both how I'm living and my nose is large. I get stupid. I shoot an arrow like Cupid. Uh. I use a word that don't mean nothing, like Loop did. I sang on Do What You Like, and if you missed it, I'm the one who said just grab them in the biscuits. Also told you that I like to bite. Well, yeah, I guess it's obvious. I also like to write. All you had to do was give Humpty a chance. And now I'm going to do my dance. The Humpty dance is your chance. To do the hump. Now, who wrote that? We could go. Um, uh, a man named Shock G. Um, we can go. You win for reading that. You read that a billion times better than I read that. <laughs> but let's not go with performance because I'm an actor. That's not fair. Let's <laughs> let's go with source material. Obviously, I did way more research on you. Okay, like way more research on you than Alex did on me. So, Alex, like seriously, like think about it. Okay, all right. You are a guy that knows how to move on the dance floor. Every when you think Danny Lobel, you think two things. That guy can eat an Italian sandwich, all right? And that guy can dance on the dance floor. Um you know, and, and then he talks about 69ing in here. Yeah, like, like What were you saying about a week ago? You said something. A week ago. A week ago what? I don't know. You started to say a week ago something. When did I say that? Right like now? A second ago, you said 
you know, a week ago, and then I interrupted you and I said, you know, you read that better than I read this, but you were about Fuck, to- I don't know what I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and hear it. You want to hear it? Yeah. All right, let's, let's do that. All right, we just went back and listened to it. Yep, and um, uh, that was uh, that was uh, Danny's autism showing. Um, he needed to. He, you just had to know what that moment was. <laughs> I didn't say week ago. I said we could go. I'm oh. like we could go back and forth on. That. I was saying we could go. Oh, this has been an autism reverse check back. <laughs> Um, when do the spectrum cards come? Yeah, when, when the fuck? I feel it, like it's a heavy credit card looking thing. The spectrum. Oh card. yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like, a punch card. Like, it, remember Subway? You said punch cards. Oh, you're. The, I was thinking it's like one of those metal credit cards. Oh, and like it gets you certain privileges. Like you know, I th- you yeah. mess up socially, you bust it out, and they go, oh, autism. Okay, no problem. But I think the the way you get on the spectrum, I think that that's good. Okay, I'll see your your metal credit card, and okay. I'll. I'll raise you a Little Caesars punch card from back in the day. <laughs> Remember when you like you get your twelfth pizza and now you get a free pizza? Yeah, but you can just punch it with a hole. It had to be like a special, like you know, uh, like a unicorn icon or something. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, and you're like, man, where the fuck? If I stole a stack of these, who cares? I can't find a fucking you know a, a paper <laughs> hole puncher with a fucking unicorn fucking it, fucking graphic. So anyway, I feel like it's more like that. Because over time, you may start on the low spectrum, but uh-huh. like when you have certain like things, like oh, Danny just did a reverse check back on his podcast, uh-huh. you know, wasted the guest time. That's one more punch. It's like Danny used to be five on the spectrum. He's just he's a six. So yeah. I'll raise you from your Caesar's little Caesar's punch card. It's more like an MGM M Life tier credit type. Of oh, thing. okay, yeah. okay. So I was like maybe like a gold level autism, but checking, now that yeah. checking it made you're me a platinum, platinum. Yeah. thousand percent. Oh, yeah. you're familiar with the M Life system. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I have some quotes here for you to read. And this is how we do it. We have the guest read the quote and then we both discuss it. We move on to the next quote, discuss and so on and that's the mm-hmm. end of the show. So if you'll do the honors right under where it says quotes, please. So I, re- I re- just read one first. Just one. Yeah. And then what? And then we discuss it. Okay. This is this is also by Sylvia Plath, right? Yeah. Okay. Why would I switch at this point? I mean, it'd be kind of funny. <laughs> I'm like, these are quotes by Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a funny name, too, yeah. right? Boris Yeltsin is a quotes by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> I didn't know he was known for that. Um, all right, here we go. The silence depressed me. It wasn't the silence of silence. It was my own silence. What does that mean? We could read it multiple times too. I think um, it's a, the silence depressed me. SBDs, silent but deadlies. <laughs> you know. No, but really, what do you think she's saying here? Not kidding. Um, the silence depressed me. It wasn't the silence of silence. It was my own silence. Um. I mean. It'd be easy to just say, oh, I don't like a quiet moment because uh, it means people aren't having a good time or we're not gelling or things aren't happening. There's no progress in a silent moment, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more depressing to think you're only disappointed because you actually have something to say and you're not saying it. So mm. it's not just like, oh, it's quiet and overall nothing's happening. It's, oh my God, I actually really... 
I, I could, I, I have, I have something I need to say, and I'm, and I can't say it. That's a cool analysis. I like that. It's the only one. That's the only one I got. Or SPD, Silent but Deadlies. It really could be. <laughs> it could have been the first one. Yeah. Next one. I have the choice of being constantly active and happy, or introspectively passive and sad. Go with the active and happy one, and that one you don't commit it wasn't suicide. Over yet. Oh, sorry. Go on. Jesus, Danny. <laughs> All right, punch the card one more time. <laughs> Danny Lobel is the first Diamond Club member. He is now at the top of the spectrum. This has never happened before. Nobody has. This is Rain Man times fucking everything. Rain Man times Brody divided by Forrest Gump. There you go. Definitely going to get in trouble for that one. All right. By the way, the next level would be Noir. Noir. (laughs) I have the choice of being constantly active and happy. Or introspectively passive and sad. Or I can go mad by ricocheting in between. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I get that. Because there is a madness to that. It, that's that instability where you're like, you know, just, you just need to like regulate yourself at that point. There, there, that's, that's almost manic. What she's what she's dis- describing. I mean, this is just me in a nutshell. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my response to this is, yeah, I'm fucking mad. I'm gonna read Alex's email real quick. A L. Just kidding. <laughs> um, on mental illness. On okay. Oh, this is a quote on how mental illness can strike at any time. Wait, yeah. I feel like we're not done with that last one. Oh, okay. Though. I mean, you said that's you in a nutshell. Yeah. You know. Um, I love being active and happy, mm-hmm. but I find myself going, all right, I better slow down for a second. And then when I do, like, I'm, I'm one of those people, dude, like I go on a vacation and a lot, of, a lot of people get recharged. I get a little depressed. You go on a vacation, too much beach time, too much serenity. And all of a sudden I'm like in my head going, what am I doing with myself? Have I done enough? Am I enough? Who's that guy? Why am I not in that shape? I, I can tell you this. Um, I feel like I used to be there and that gave me a little hope because I feel like I moved up a level, you know, in the, in the tier system yeah. uh, of getting, well, you did. of you getting diamond level, diamond. diamond level. 10 minutes ago, Danny Lobel, the but only member of diamond level. If there's mental health tiers, you know, uh, and the lowest one, maybe being suicidal and the highest one being like, you know, completely Zen or, you know, at, at, uh, at, peace with yourself in the world i remember the times when i couldn't go on vacation because of that or i would go but i'd experience that and i'm i've moved up i'm not there anymore which hopefully will give you hope because it's doable and it also encourages me because i know oh there's something that i forgot that used to be me that i don't have that anymore well now you're just bragging i am bragging but (laughs) but but i but i like it i'm i'm happy to hear that because it reminded me that, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I, I don't know. Remember the grains of sand? That was one of the grains of sand that I took off. Oh, like, okay. Like, I, sometimes you're like, ah, I didn't make any progress here. I'm still here and blah, 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 blah. And then you hear something like that and you're like, oh, yeah, this is me. And you go, oh, shoot. I, I can relate. Wait, no, I can't anymore. You know? Yeah. Shoot. I, I made some progress. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Because nobody ever tells you you're not you're not that anymore. You, you, you just moved up a level. You don't know it until... You see it again in someone else or some, or you hear about it like I just did, and you go, oh, yeah, I used to do that. 
somewhere along the line in my working on myself, that stopped. And I never realized it until right now. So that's a good feeling. Yeah. And it's always important to um, even share that out loud like you just did because, you know, you have to remind yourself that you're, that you're in new realms. Or you, I don't know, in today's world, like, we, we forget to get, I mean, a couple, social media does so much jacking of us off that, like, we forget that we need to jack off once in a while. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is just, I'm just saying, like, you know, you got to give yourself a pat on the back once in a while and be like, oh, yeah, I do that now. So that you, it's almost a reminder, like, don't forget. So when you go on a trip again, like, you're still that motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Because you mean, could slip back, just like we relapsed, you know? You can you can relapse. I could totally relapse back to that. You can have thought relapse, you, you know? totally can. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, I've worked really hard on my negative thinking, and of course I relapse on it too, but it's not nearly what it used to be. And there was a time I could never be alone and, and be at peace and be happy because the thoughts would creep in yeah and i'm not there anymore and that is awesome and i and you saying that just reminded me of what hell it used to be sorry that you're there <laughs> well anyway enjoy yeah. your hell life well, good luck <laughs> <laughs> heard you're going to hawaii next week what a waste of dough <laughs> but but it's true because i'm not in that hell anymore and you don't need to be either yeah you know and and it's I hope it's encouraging to you to know that somebody who had that exact same thing that you're describing doesn't have it anymore. So it is possible. Of course, I could slip back into it. But as long as I keep fighting this fight, hopefully I won't. You know, yeah. uh, I so that that was a good quote for me, too. And with that insight, I think I agree. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> Continuing. I, I'm just saying I'm a lot better than you. Move on. That you're you're just not <laughs> where I'm at, bro. And that's the name of the podcast now. You're not where I'm at with Danny Lobel. You're not where I'm at. <laughs> can't relate, bro. Yeah, I can't relate, bro. With a podcast where he, <laughs> people just come on and spill the. Can't my dad touched me, and what it did to me, I can't, can't relate. relate. My dad bro. was amazing. <laughs> He's actually on his way over right now. Yeah, we're going to go see uh, the new Tarantino movie tonight. We're pretty pumped. <laughs> that would be such a funny like little sketch to make can't that relate, as if it's a... Can't relate with Danny Lobel. We should make it as like a little YouTube video promoting a fake podcast. Can't relate, bro. Can't relate. You're not going to expand upon that? Expand? I can't relate. Why would I expand upon it? Yeah. You're like huge guest. Barack Obama's like, I got to tell you, it was crazy running the country. It was very hard in the... Can't relate, bro. Can't relate. No, but let me tell you a story about what it's like to be present. Hey, bro, can't relate. Yeah, can't. <laughs> yeah, can't. <laughs> there's nothing here for us. Yeah, there's, no one cares about presidencies and what you guys do. Yeah. Like, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Scarlett Johansson comes on. Yeah, sometimes in the morning I just get so horny. It's like, I can't relate, bro. Can't relate, bro. Wait, I'm a girl. What? Bro? Bro? What? <laughs> Just you know, that's the name of the show. Don't give us problems. You know, get out get of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of the studio. Wait, but I wanted to have sex with you. <laughs> Can't relate with Can't that. Relate, at all. bro. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's the next quote? On how mental illness can strike at any time, even after proper treatment. The bell jar hung a few feet above my head. I was open to the circulating air. How did I know that someday 
at college in Europe, somewhere, anywhere, the bell jar with its stifling distortions wouldn't descend again. What? I think she was just talking about relapse there, right? I think that was a quote about relapse. You know, I think a lot of things that are, you know, sold to the public as great art are really just people who need therapy. <laughs> you know, like a lot of a lot of times people say, oh, that art, that artist, he's so dark and brooding. And like, yeah, right. and you're like, I know what that is. That's just, yeah, you they, just they just need a, you just know. Need a hug. That's pro. <laughs> she just needs to go into program or something. Yeah. You know, I don't know what this I mean, maybe this is just some creepy uncle who, you know, like instead of mistletoe, maybe he convinced her like, you know, hey, if the bell jar is over your head, you got to you got to <laughs> cradle the balls. You know? <laughs> it's terrible. Um, <laughs> the bell jar hung a few feet above my head. OK, so like it's ending doom. Remember the, the, what I read that at the beginning about the bell jar it was like this thing, I guess, that made her feel suffocated inside. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, I think it's addiction hanging above your head. I like, was open and circulating here. How did I know that someday at college in Europe, somewhere, anywhere, the bell jar with its stifling distortions wouldn't descend again? Yeah, it's relapse. It's like, how do you know? Like thought relapse, what yeah, we were talking just about. Like, like, yeah, it actually yeah. Yeah, it goes right with what we were just saying. That's what I think it is. I think she's saying like, yeah, I, I always knew that it was right there. Like you said, the addiction's doing push-ups in the corner. She knew. That, you know, that depression might come back. That bell jar might fall down on her again. And that's like, you know, to that I say therapy. Get some therapy, Sylvia. Can we do the bonus quote too? Yeah. Why not? The bonus quote is there's How nothing. How messed up would it be if I said no? You didn't earn the bonus <laughs> You're quotes. like, can't relate, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's nothing like puking with somebody to make you into old friends. Is that really what it says? Swear to God. I mean, I relate to that one probably the most out of all of them mm -hmm. because I've I've puked with people with ayahuasca and we uh -huh. are ayahuasca brothers and sisters for life. Yeah. I've puked from being too drunk. Um, and I bet you you've done this. Have you ever eaten so much at a restaurant yes. that you went to the bathroom a, to throw more. some of it up? Not because I, I was never like a full-on bulimic in that like I threw it up out of guilt that I ate so much or trying to like lose the weight that I just put in me. It was not weight based. It wasn't like that. It was yeah, just like, you just had to, I, I was so full. I'm like, I have to get some of this out of me right now. I have. Yes. Yeah. I've I done have. that. So we're brothers for life. Brothers for life. You know, my favorite puking story. Pu wait, wait a second. Hold on. Did we just become puke bros? Dude. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we need, we need, we need to have a handshake in public where it's just like, boom, bah, boom. <laughs> 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 I remember I was uh, opening for Bobby Kelly on the road once, and we stopped off at some dive on the side of the road in New Jersey. I bet he can eat. He can eat. Well, I mean, that's evident, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you didn't discover right? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back yeah. to the story. Dive bar, New Jersey. We ate, I think they were really bad nachos. The next thing... Is me and and Bobby Kelly puking next to just each other in the parking lot? Just the two of us go <laughs> three in the morning, an empty parking lot, cars whizzing by on the highway, and the two of us just puking and then looking over at each other and laughing. Dude, I I've puked in the weirdest places. I've um, I've shit with friends. I think that makes you close. 
Do you? Yeah. Do you think that? I shat. Um, <laughs> Do you? <laughs> you think? <laughs> and this is why Skyler has mental health issues. Can't look. Can't relate, bro. <laughs> can't relate, bro. Uh, I shit outside Dodger Stadium once. Uh huh. There's a guardrail at the edge of the parking lot that leads to just a hill, and I got over the guardrail, pulling pull my pants down, and shoved and stuck my ass out and shit, and it just sprayed out of me all down the hill. You know, this was a nice podcast. You didn't have to end it like that. <laughs> but I did it with somebody because they, they they were like, oh, my God, I got to shit, too. And they jumped over. And here we are, just two bros just shitting. Like, we're drunk <laughs> and we're shitting over the side of the hill. Like, it's, it was amazing, you know, and we're very good friends to this day. I bailed him out of jail. Hmm. He's picked me up crying on the side of the road. We're very close. That's a charming story. I mean... <laughs> Why didn't you? Why in Dodger Stadium couldn't you find a bathroom? We, it didn't hit till we got out. You know, when it hits, it hits. It hits, it hits. When it hits, it hits. And, yeah. the, and then the traffic getting out of there. So I, I was faced with like, once I get in that line, I'm uh-huh. going to be in this car for a long time. What if I shit my pants? Could have happened. It was. It was one of those days where I had like, you know, a Carl's <laughs> Jr. burger at Dodger Stadium. I had like nachos with jalapenos. I had several beers. I had ice cream. And it was not a good scene, dude. I love you, buddy. I love you. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, man. I can't relate, bro. <laughs> Have a bathroom, by the way, if you need oh, it. I'm okay. Actually, where is it? <laughs> I'm going to go do some Coke and drink a Coke. That's a, that's what I think I learned today. So, um, Did you like the show? Thank loved you. Loved it. I didn't know I'd get a bonus quote. That was you, fun. You got a bonus quote. I got a bonus quote. I'm so glad that Ralphie put us in touch and basically made us friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I hadn't... Um, been so OCD about dusting my shelves, you know, we wouldn't have seen the connection of uh, Ralphie putting this all together. You know? Yeah. Dude, I really want to go with you to Kansas City now. I feel St. Like- Louis. Oh, I was in Kansas City. You were. In- oh, so this whole time you're making fun of the wrong city? Yeah. Hilarious. That's where the Negro League Baseball Museum is. It's in Kansas City. Yeah, when you kept saying that, like, I, I, I knew that I've been to it. Because my parents now live in Kansas City now. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, I know I've been to the Negro, but I don't remember where it was. But I know I've been there. <laughs> in my head, they're all yeah. the same place. <laughs> yeah, it's actually in it's in Kansas City because that's where my parents live now. So how do you feel about Kansas City? It can be pretty boring. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie. It can, be <laughs> it can be pretty boring. Pretty boring. All right, St. Louis. I got to go there. Yeah. St. Louis is way better. All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Thanks again to Skylar Stone. Thank you for tuning in. And thanks to our sponsor, Skillshare, who remind you that 2020 can be a year for you to be creative and inspired. Go over to Skillshare.com and explore thousands of wonderful classes that you can get. Millions of people are doing this already. It's an online community, classes where you can find things that will inspire and surprise you. Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth, and they remind you that they offer classes for real life. Go over there and learn things to move your creative journey forward from all kinds of topics, including illustration, photography, design, video, freelancing, and so much more. Skillshare.com 
is offering you guys two months of premium membership for free. Two whole months of unlimited membership access for MDP listeners. Absolutely free. Go and check it out. Like I said earlier, it's like the Netflix of classes. You can go. You can check out so many different things ranging from so many different topics. I personally recommend some of the illustration classes. I thought those were really good. And I love that style of the instructor getting so personal with you. It's almost an intimate feel in the videos. So head on over there. Skillshare.com forward slash MDP. That's Skillshare.com forward slash MDP. And enjoy two months of free classes. Check it out. All right, everybody. I'm wishing you all a happy, healthy 2020. I'm glad to have you here with me. I'm looking forward to talking to you. A lot of great, exciting episodes coming up. And lots more to tell you about my journey into fatherhood. It's a pretty good hood. Um, I enjoy it. And I hope that you guys will be back soon with more exciting and jam-packed episodes of Modern Day Philosophers. Until which time, of course, you can go over to moderndayphilosophers.net and make a contribution. Join the movement or go to iTunes and leave a nice comment. I think it's called Apple Podcasts. I don't know what it is anymore. Leave a nice comment and a five-star rating, and uh, I'll read it on the air. How about that, all right? Thanks, everybody, and be well until next time. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. So long. Adios. Shalom.